You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is a podcast where we deconstruct these white saver films and recontextualize them through a black and peel to the lens. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And we're in the same room. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at each other. This is this is one of those rare occasions. I think we've done this once, twice, maybe? Twice. Oh, in the whole history of the podcast. Maybe once, actually. Yeah, You're right. we did. Wow. Uh, Kazam. Damn. Uh, <laughs> what a time. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> Uh, but Cameron, you're, what, what is the reason that you're here in Baltimore? Um, oh yeah, I'm actually here to, um, speak at the UB Blake Center on behalf of Johns Hopkins University on behalf of my, my father's work is being shown at a, uh, exhibit called The Colors of Pontella Mason. It's a retrospective exhibit going through his... Well, most of his uh, mural work in the city of Baltimore and a large portion of his canvas work. And today we're going to speak about his educational work that he's done. He's taught in Baltimore City Public Schools for over 10 years. Um, And he taught in several uh, DMV, because I can't even say only Baltimore, definitely D.C. too, um, art programs and educational programs after school and summer. Nice. So um, we get yeah we getting it getting popping at the UB Blake come through at four. This <laughs> is a podcast. I know this isn't live, but uh, if you get this, find a time machine, come back. It's at four. Yeah. Well, and the exhibit's <laughs> going to be up until when? Uh, the exhibit's going to be up until the end of the month. So that is May thirty first. So you, people, if you're in around the Baltimore area, you got time to come down check it out. Yes, it's a free space, so yeah. you ain't got to pay. Uh, well, seeing as this is a, as a movie podcast, and seeing as we've invoked your father's name a couple of times, <laughs> uh, we have. what 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 was his favorite movie? Do you recall? Oh, well, actually, I like... can I can actually speak to that. That's kind of yeah. wild. Um, so he told me a long time ago when I was a kid that his favorite movie was Sounder, okay. and, and I still have not seen Sounder, which is oh. like very unblack of me. Yeah, well, very unblack <laughs> like Jet Xer. Was there a reason, or is he just? No, he said it reminded him of his old life. So my father was born in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Mm. So he's not really like a city boy at heart, even though he ended up in New York, ended up in Baltimore. But that movie reminds him of like his farm life, living on a farm, Mm. living with his his mother um, before they both moved up here. Um, Well, what uh, uh, and uh, in his later life, he said that one of the movies that like just just evoked such emotion out of him was uh round midnight which actually just got mm. a criterion which yeah, is crazy right, yeah. right and that criterion comes actually kind of flat yeah. he did like a little blue note thing yeah, on it nice um but yeah round midnight starring dexter gordon dexter gordon's famous jazz uh, saxophonist he plays like a kind of version of himself this is later in his life this movie was 1982 so he plays like an older version of himself that's kind of like become an expat and like lives in Paris and he's like playing jazz clubs in Paris, like kind of just for the love of it. And mm-hmm. then, damn, it's actually kind of a white savior movie. Not really a white savior movie because it didn't really <laughs> save him. Right. But this uh, white musician uh, journalist kind of becomes a little infatuated with him, nice. which is kind of ironic. 
with the movie that we're talking about today. But that yeah. Round Midnight is a much better movie, much better movie. And actually, it's it's just really kind of cool because, uh, yeah, my father was a tenor saxophonist for a long time, and so that's why he like found this kinship with this movie. Yeah, and it's like a really cool like slow burn. Both movies, I I've heard Sounder is kind of like a slow burn, okay. but uh, both movies are kind of like lived in, kind of like you're in an area, you're in a whether it be the farmland of the American South or whether it be Paris, you're kind of just like immersed in that like lifestyle for like yeah. a little bit. That's really what it is. Okay. All so right. yeah, Round Midnight and Sounder, those are two good recommendations, black ass recommendations yeah. too. Uh, well, unfortunately, and I'll, yeah, I'll, very unfortunately. I'll, I'll apologize for that. I, so we, we were originally supposed to have a guest, uh, for this week and they had to reschedule. And so, you know, when that happens, we'll just kind of go through the list of movies that were like, I don't think anybody's going to want to watch this. So, you know, let's just like pick one. And now we have to watch them. Yeah. But you know, not, not a movie that's like, oh yeah, like for sure. I guess is probably going to want to do that one. Like, you know, these are, these are the ones that we you know, these are our burden, I guess. <laughs> in a way. It might be the best way I've ever heard it put uh, in this two years of us doing this. But we had a couple of ones. We had like an action movie and like another yeah, one. I picked this over the action movie. Yeah, well, because it's it, it, there. There is some intrigue to it, right? So we're we're talking about resurrecting the champ, which is a 2007 film that stars Josh Hartnett and Samuel L. Jackson, and like. Sam Jackson, I think, has been on three times now, right? He was in Django. Django. He was in... And A Time to Kill. And so this, so this is four times. He was in A Time to Kill, and then he was in Tarzan. Oh, uh, my God. And so now this is the fourth time we've seen Sam. Damn. Uh, <laughs> wow. So <laughs> the only person on like on uh, Kevin Costner's <laughs> boots on his heels is Samuel Jackson on our podcast. And Jimon. Oh, Jaime is just yeah. like, my nigga just floats in and out of these movies. He's like, I heard somebody needed saving. Yeah. I and, felt like I needed to be saved today. And I guess, I mean, we keep including uh, Stargate and like, he's in it, but you don't really see yeah. him. He's you actually know. credited as Jaimin in that movie. Yeah. He's not even like uh, fully himself. Name. Yeah. So yeah, but this is, this is another same movie. And if you don't remember this movie, I like had a vague recollection of it as a thing. Same. I never saw it. Same. Um, but Resurrecting the Champ is a movie about a journalist who discovers this professional boxer who, way past his prime, is now unhoused, living on the street, and you know is telling these stories about you know fighting Rocky Marciano and like all these other legends and like it's this big story that he stumbles upon and is getting ready to kind of like tell it to to amplify his career and then there's a whole twist that we'll get into um <laughs> but it's it's based on a los angeles times magazine article by uh jr mohanger who actually like th we'll talk about the article because there's there's a lot of interesting things from it okay um but he's his life is the inspiration for the tender bar movie that like ben oh the affleck, ben affleck movie yeah that tom hanks directed and like no, George Clooney. Directed. George Clooney directed, yeah, which is interesting wow. because I okay. was like, "Oh, okay," and it doesn't have any of this in it, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Wow. Um, but the movie, yeah. So it stars Josh Hartnett, Alan Alda, um, Terry Hatcher, Samuel Jackson. Oh, wow, Terry Hatcher, yeah, she's yeah. one scene wonder in this movie a little bit. Yeah. And it's it's directed by Rod Lurie, who was 
a journalist himself at one point in time Good and then uh, got into <laughs> filmmaking. And so he's got a couple of credits to his name. I don't know if any of these are ones that you recognize, Cameron. The only one I recognized was Straw, Straw Dogs, Dogs. Yeah. Um, which was like not a good movie no and actually that yeah that's a remake yeah of the peck and paw straw dogs which i've also seen and is really good yeah so like he's been around and continues to be around because he you know he's doing stuff <coughs> as of just like a few years ago but well well yeah i'll do the five minutes this movie get my, get my notes out yeah i had thoughts <laughs> if there's any vindication in this film it had a 13 million dollar budget and only managed to gross three million two hundred forty two thousand dollars i don't prey on nobody's downfall but uh, uh, <laughs> and I, you know i'm gonna leave it at that yeah and so like like yeah i guess i'll just get into the five minutes because it's it's a very it's loaded but there's i'll be honest there's actually nothing going on no, here and it, yeah. it, the movie is trying desperately like grasping at straws a lot to yeah. be like hey here's some here's some plot here's some meat on the bone and yeah and also what what's crazy about it i mean i said i wasn't going to talk about this but now we're talking about okay. it <laughs> that it, it's trying to be like a an actor's uh like an actor's movie like an actor tour de force sure, right because yeah. it's a it's a taut drama yeah it's very much so like it's not action-packed even no. though it's about a boxer yeah it's very much so just like almost almost a two-hander because a lot of the scenes are just josh hartnett and samuel jackson Mm -hmm. but like i don't rod lurie didn't get what he may have asked for here i don't know you know what because we're gonna talk about that too because i actually (laughs) i came around on your boy sam but yeah everywhere else it's it's slim pickings how about for sure well I guess I'll I'll start the five minutes. We'll see if I yes. can do it in five. But I I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like well, this movie. <laughs> yeah, fuck this movie for real. But let's let's try our best. All right, five minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. So we start out with Eric Kernan Jr., who is Josh Hartnett, and he's at this amateur boxing fight. I believe it's yeah. just like you know it's. Not any real contenders or any real drama. It's just, you know, a fight that's happening that night in Denver. He's covering it for the Denver Times. So, you know, he's he's watching on. Simultaneously, it's cut with Samuel Jackson, who is playing the champ, or just champ. He's just champ. Uh, and he is unhoused, living in an alley, and, you know, this car rolls up. A bunch of just business bros jump out. They're drunk. They're looking for to you know just just pick on somebody, fight with somebody. So they choose Samuel Jackson because they know they've seen him around, you know, shadow boxing, calling himself the champ. And so you know they're like, hey, show us what you got. He's like, I don't really fight, I don't do that anymore. Um, but they keep antagonizing him until you know like he swings on one of them and I think hits one, mm. and then they just proceed to jump him. Josh Hartnett is getting out of the fight around this time. It just happens to stumble across the scene breaks it up you know those guys kind of well he didn't even break it up they just they're done they they, they were done so, <laughs> but he goes he checks on uh sam and and gives him you know some money and you know everything okay but picks up 
on this little bit of information when he's yo yeah i'm 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 champ bob satterfield you know and he starts doing his shadow boxing and uh this is when we learn that josh hartnett is just a, a a vulture a creep he's looking for a story he's desperate uh we learn that you know he's he's kind of at the bottom rung on you know this newspaper that he works at alan alda is his editor and he's like you know your stories are just good enough to fill space you know Damn. which is what i need you to do uh his he's separated from his wife who also works at the newspaper and is seemingly very successful covering you know local politics uh separated from his son who he lies to incessantly all yeah. the time wow about everything that everything. he's ever done um, <laughs> but he seizes upon this opportunity because he wants to move up to the magazine of the newspaper. And so he's got this pitch opportunity with the editor of the magazine and he's telling him, Hey, I've got all these ideas. And I'm like, all right, tell me what you got. John Elway. Everybody pitches that, uh, you know, the baseball stadium, everybody pitches that, uh, what does he reach for? I met this guy on the street. He says he's Bob Satterfield. He's an old boxer. And you know about this guy? And like immediately the editor's ears perk up. Oh, tell me more. Josh Hartnett doesn't have any more, but he starts rattling on about all these things that he wants to write about and tell about. And so now he's gotten himself into the situation where he has to make a story. There has to be a story here. And so he tracks down Champ, who's, you know, just on the street and starts to ask him all these questions. And we start to learn that Champ was, you know, a boxer back in the 50s. And he fought, you know, all these people. He fought Rocky Marciano and Jake LaMotta and, you know, all of the top contenders had opportunities to to get to the top number three in the world, all this stuff. And Josh Hartnett's like, bet, I got a story. You know, he's writing all this stuff down. He's, he's getting all this information. And, like, as he goes along... You know, like there's a there's a scene where like he brings his son along to meet champ yeah which is just like not to say that that's unprofessional but it's also just like a strange thing to do when you are. i've been talking to this homeless man but i decided to bring my very young son well like five years old five-year-old son around yeah him. but also like it's you're on the, you're on the job like you're working like why <laughs> you know what i mean like he's, he's trying to split all these things but what the movie's attempting to do is make this very strong connection between father and son because Josh Hartson's father, Eric Kearney Sr., apparently was a very prolific boxing announcer, boxing critic, and everybody's expecting the similar things out of his, you know, Eric Kearney Jr., uh, except he's pretty mid and uh, <laughs> is not a very good journalist. And so, <laughs> That's pretty plain and clear. <laughs> As as things are going, you know, further and further, like he's actually doing no journalistic work. He's putting it all off on this uh, younger reporter who he doesn't even remember her name initially. Uh, But then like she's doing all the work for him. So like she's tracking down all these leads. She finds this old like video from a collector that's showing, you know, this this fight with Bob Satterfield that he had. And, um, you know, she gets some interviews with a couple different people and all the story is coming together. It looks like things are ready to go. Editor calls him up and they're like, yo, you know, we're really interested in that piece. You know, when you're going to have it ready? He's like, I don't know, like two weeks. And they're like, yeah, how about Monday? And he's like, bet. <laughs> Got it on Monday. Um, story comes out. It's huge. It's big. It's like, it's one of those things that when you like think about a movie, you're just like, what? You know, because it's like, 
everybody in the world. Oh, that's it. Damn. <laughs> that's like the halfway mark. Not even yeah. the halfway mark, actually, but go, go on. Yeah. Well, like, it's it's one of those things, like, everybody in the world seemingly has read his, his article. Piece. Like, <laughs> everybody is, is praising him for it. Like, his son and his wife are ready to take him back into the house because of it. Um, he's about to get a promotion because of it. Showtime Boxing calls him, and they're like, yo, you're the greatest boxing reporter ever like please come work for us and like they fly him out to vegas do all this stuff and then he starts getting some calls from different people who are saying oh bob satterfield he's dead like that's he's not alive anymore i don't know who you're writing this piece about but i that's not bob satterfield he's very incredulous about this he's like i don't know what you're talking about because i know bob satterfield that's my nigga i know him i've talked to him every day for a month you know or however long he's been writing the story um you know he goes out to this boxing gym and like this guy's like yeah no he's dead and he's like i I don't believe you um and then he gets you know another he brings the videotape to show him and he's like look that's that's bob satterfield and the guy's like no that other guy's bob satterfield (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're talking about is the guy he knocked out <laughs> and he's like oops <laughs> big oops uh except he's like you know what I- i'm a white man Maybe right i can ride this out he never oopses <laughs> by the way he never oopses in this movie he stands on his shit in his mind you know you can see in his eyes there's a little bit of like, oh but in in his actions it's like okay ray j i don't care <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Um, he, he he keeps living his life until one day uh, Bob Satterfield's son shows up with, I guess, like the, the Bob Crump of this universe. And like, comes in and is like, hey, we're going to sue the shit out of you and this newspaper. And you're basically finished. And so, like... Everything comes crashing down. All in all, this talking crazy to him in a bar, like just barking on him, like dog. How could you not do a single shred of journalistic work? It's it's wild. <laughs> it's wild. It's it's wild. Go on, go on. Um, and he's he's still doesn't believe it. Like he still <laughs> believes that he has been talking to the real Bob Satterfield this whole time, and then begins one of the craziest stretches in the movie I think I've seen doing this podcast because. He gets called in mm-hmm. to the like it's like I think maybe a day and a half has gone by or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He gets called in for the meeting between, you know, Bob Satterfield Jr. and the newspaper and like the lawyers and everybody. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, yo, this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna sue the shit out of you, right? Your career's <laughs> over. <laughs> uh what do you have to say for yourself? And he's like, My father. I had a dad, but then I didn't have a dad because he left and it made me real sad. And, uh, you know, I don't know how I can make it up to you other than I'll write a story about how I fucked up. Not an apology, (laughs) but go on. I'll I'll publish work that I presumably will be paid for (laughs) (laughs) to apologize for this. And like the newspapers, like we're running retraction and all that stuff. And Bob Satterfield Jr. was like, wait a minute. You had a father? <laughs> wow. You know, because when you called me and you said that you were Eric Curtin, I thought, not even considering the timber of your voice or anything like that, that you were a 70-year-old man <laughs> who died 
years ago <laughs> and not a 30 year old man who was his son and so because you are a son and i am a son i forgive you please write a glowing praise piece about my father oh don't forget that like eric kernan senior talked hella shit yeah. about bob satterfield right back in the day and i love the lawyer's reaction in the scene when he's like they go, what? What? That, we're not getting paid? We need to get paid. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, he's like, are you sure that you don't want to sue these white people into oblivion? Like, I, I love Harry. I love Harry, Harry Lennox as an actor, but this is why they hire his light skin ass. Because there's no way a black man is it, coming for coming for what is rightfully his, right? In like a, in a defamation case. And then says, no, you can say you're sorry, and I'm cool. It's clear. Like, this is a slam dunk case. Like, his lawyer is like, bruh. We about to rake it. This is as close to reparations as we're getting, dog. It's the end of the Denver Times. (laughs) The Denver Times is yours now. (laughs) But that's the, they just forgive this white man, and they say, hey, you know, just, just write a piece about it. Even though your writing is pretty mid, like write a piece about it and that's all good. So he gets forgiven in that instance. He then goes to career day at his kid's school. Again, he has been lambasted across, like th- when he's in the bar, Yes, he's on television. And right. they're like, this man right here is a liar. <laughs> That's the opening story of the night. (laughs) This man is a liar. Here's his face. If you see him around town, you know he's a liar. He's a liar. (laughs) So he goes into career day. Everybody, either his wife hates him and is like, yeah, this is going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) This was back before phones had cameras on them, obviously, because there's no way you're not recording this. But he goes in and, you know, he's the teacher still announces him as a reporter for the Denver Times, which I can't believe to be true because what? But like he's like, yeah, you know, I'm because his son, who's he's been lying to <laughs> since he was born, goes up in front of the class and is like, this is my dad. He's a famous sports reporter. He's best friends with John Elway. He's best friends with Muhammad Ali. Uh, you know, he like talks to all these famous athletes like he's the greatest. Here he is. And he goes up and he's like, hey, kids, uh, why don't we start with questions? And the first question is, you don't really know John Elway, do you? And he's like, uh, and then that kid is like, my dad said, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> ether. Ether him. Just like, done. It's, this is my favorite scene in the movie, by the way. Because these little kids, not even the other adults in the room, are the ones who's like, nigga, I saw you on the news last night, and they said you are a liar. <laughs> my dad said, you should get your ass out of town. Right. Everybody hates you. <laughs> and he just sits there and takes it. He lets these kids cook. Like, it's crazy. He's like, how about I tell you about... <laughs> How long it takes to write a story? And the teacher's like, sir, I think that's enough. I think your time is up. <laughs> I think it's time for you to leave. <laughs> so he gets flamed at career day. <laughs> but then, lo and behold, he goes and he confronts Bob Satterfield. He's like, yo, I can't believe you've been lying to me all this time, champ. Like, why, why did you do that to me? And champ is like... Nigga, what did I do? I told you what you wanted to hear. You know what I mean? I'm do. I'm living out here. You never asked any deep <laughs> questions about anything. You just took everything I said at face value. So, like, who's in the wrong here? You're the journalist. You know? <laughs> uh, and this gets Josh Hartnett hot. He tries to swing on Samuel Jackson, and he knocks him the fuck out. He knocks him out. <laughs> Samuel Jackson Middle knocks of the him street. out. Yeah, just Love it. 
right cross to the face. Some white woman calls the cops on <laughs> Samuel Jackson, even though this is clearly self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, he goes to jail. You know, Josh Hartnett's wife finds him in the hospital after he wakes up, after getting knocked out. And he's like, yo, you know, I should sue him. Yada, yada, yada. And she's like, bro, he's, he he's, he's homeless. Like, what are you doing? And also, if you had any shred of journalistic credibility, like, you would have known that you just, like, go and do the research. You just would have researched your article. What are you talking about? You would have known he was dead. You would have had all that. Like, you know, it took me, like, five minutes to find all these things out. It's actually crazy, (laughs) like, watching the movie because, like, just script-wise, right? Because, like, the only reason... He gets in trouble is because he didn't do his research. What is a journalist's fucking job? Apparently not this <laughs> for him. Uh, so after she talks down on him, he decides to forgive Samuel Jackson, even though there's nothing to forgive him for. He didn't do anything. But he goes out. He bails him out of jail. Yep. He drives him. He says, where do you want to go? He says, take me to my ex-wife's house. Uh, you know, they have a conversation about fathers and sons and reconciliation and all this bullshit and then he drives off and leaves samuel jackson to go maybe he'll get accepted by his ex-wife maybe he won't smash cut to josh hartnett is the most successful white man to ever live he has gotten not only just a promotion at his job after lying and almost tanking the entire newspaper but now is i guess the lead sports reporter and getting all like the high profile jobs talking to the broncos etc he's written a book about his life and champ's life so basically is profiting off of samuel jackson's life and has gotten back with his wife and kid. So it's his marriage all is good, fixed. baby. It's all great. <laughs> this is all presented to you in a montage, one thing after the other, right? <laughs> Intercut with Samuel Jackson apparently did not get back with his ex-wife, but is instead now back living on the streets. He is even though wait, 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 wait. We forgot that like when he came to Champ, he came with him with money. Champ has been getting money. People have been giving Champ money, like he, like stacks. Yeah, he had, he had a money phone for a little bit. He kept giving. He said he like when he left, even that last time when he left him with his ex wife, he was like, "Yo, here's this money." And Champ was like, "Take it back." You know, I'm yeah, not Bob Satterfield. Back, yeah. And he was like, "No, but this is your money." So like, then he held on to sure? it. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, "All right." So Drewski face and just like <laughs> took the money. <laughs> So, no explanation of where all the money went, right? But, like, apparently he's just back living on the street again. He's having, I don't know if he's supposed to be drunk or having delusions or whatever's going on. But he thinks that he's getting, you know, approached by uh, Jake LaMotta or Rocky Marciano mm. to, like, have one last fight and train. But but he was on SOS. Yeah, once he gets, he gets hit one time and you realize that he's once again fighting the business bro from the beginning of the movie literally the same guy he came back yeah he wasn't done uh <laughs> and so like he's like yo no like my name's not bob satterfield i'm not who you think i am yada 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 uh but the guy won't let up so like samuel jackson like knocks him the fuck out except apparently this all led to him having a heart attack except the movie, I think, wants you to believe that Samuel Jackson dies happy because in his last act, he was his true self and stopped lying to himself and finally achieved some sense of catharsis. So Sam- Samuel Jackson dies alone in an alley. Yep. Josh Hartnett gets everything he ever wanted. Yes. End of movie. <laughs> 
that's the end. So we absolutely have to. <laughs> hey, yo, man, fuck this movie, yo, man. <laughs> it's insane. It's two hours, too, which is like, again, you have to earn two hours. And this movie is just like so boring for the first like 45 minutes. It's just like unbelievably boring. Like I've hated movies we've done before. Sure. I think this there's something about this because it's like you watch the first half and you're just like, all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is, you know, <laughs> this is on the Caucasian scale, like we're probably maybe getting to a two. We're approaching a two, yeah. You know, but like nothing is terribly offensive. We've seen movies like this before and yep. all these kind of things and like even after the twist happens, you're kind of like, oh, so this is going to be a story about like, you know, not Josh Hartnett, like, also becoming unhoused and living on the street. <laughs> but, Which like, is what should happen, but. But, you know, but the story about, oh, okay, like, you know, what what do we believe? What do we want to believe? You know, all of these things. Obviously, there's strong, redemption. Yeah, strong ties of, you know, father and son relationships, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you think it's going to, like, end with some kind of, like, revelation that Josh Hartnett has where he kind of, like, takes his lumps and then, you know, maybe doesn't, like, you know, quit journalism outright, mm, but is mm. like, all right, you know, I need to pick myself back up. You know, I mean, my life fell apart. Yeah, it's at my least, fault. As, at least forced to reckon with, like, the harm he's caused. Yeah. <laughs> Bare minimum. Instead, he's like, I'm white. <laughs> I think I deserve a pass. And everybody's like, you know what? You bring up a good point. You, I think, you make some sense. <laughs> I think we should just... I mean, I just can't wrap it's, my head around that scene where Harry Lennox is like, hey, bruh. We all make mistakes. Yeah. What? <laughs> Sorry. You should have led with the fact that you had a father. And you maybe... <laughs> I guess I guess that Bob Satterfield money has just like he's just getting residuals on knocking niggas out from the fifties because there's like no way you turn down like demolishing a small newspaper. Well, because here's the thing about it, right? So like what we learn is that Champ has been impersonating Bob Satterfield for years, for decades. You know what I mean? Like he they they tie in you know kind of a sad story where you know he was a boxer. But mm-hmm. then, um, you know, like his career took a bad turn and he gave it up and went to go live, I think, in like Georgia or something yeah, like in that. The South. And then somebody said, you know, you have a resemblance to this boxer, Bob Satterfield. <laughs> like, I think maybe we could make some money together if we just pretend that you're him and you go out there and you fight. And so, you know, like the most success he ever had in his life was imitating Bob Satterfield and pretending to be this man. And so he just ran with it, uh, you know, basically for the rest of his life. Right. But if you're Harry Lennox, the thing about it is you've been fighting these cases forever. forever. You know what I mean? Literally like, everybody talking on your father's name. Yeah, it seems like he has, this isn't the first time. I mean, that's why he's here, because this is a thing that continues to happen. This man continues to impersonate his father, continues to have, you know, articles and things written about him. Um, and, like, he's got to go in and shut it all down, because it's all a lie, right? And so, like... <laughs> The idea that... I mean, you make it plain. You make it seem pretty plain. But the idea that this time, it's different. Because that's that's what's so crazy about Josh Hartnett's, like, Mia Culpa. Is, like, it's not like, hey, I I fucked up. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I took 
uh, a story and ran with it without doing any journalistic due diligence or like you know even questioning for you know because that's you know i went to school for journalism for (laughs) four years (laughs) and the first thing that you learn right is question everything not necessarily in the sense that people are lying to you or being disingenuous or anything like that but even more so from a newspaper perspective, right? What you print is now like out there into the world. And if you're lying about things or if you're caught not doing your facts or anything like that, there is the possibility of legal action and all kinds of other stuff, or even just generally losing public trust because people read a piece, assumed that it was true. Yes, your credibility, literally like your name. And so like the (laughs) fact that the fact that it got to this point, right, is what it's yo. you know, because like the way that his wife lays it out is like, bruh, just if you had just done anything, she she also because <laughs> I'm again again I keep coming at this from a scriptwriter's point of view. You're a scriptwriter. You have you know the ins and outs of the story. You know his wife's perspective. You know. His perspective, right? Yeah. So if if you enter into that and you have the wife like literally stated plain that if you would have just did a minimum amount of research on this guy while while talking to him, you might have found out yeah. that he wasn't who he said he was. Yeah. Did you also speak to multiple people who told you that this man was dead and you chose to yeah. ignore those facts? Didn't do your own research on no. them? This? Well, he did because he didn't because he put it all off on the the other reporter. Yeah, <laughs> she did all the work for him. And that's, it's wild, and too, because even in that, right, like, in the beginning, he doesn't remember her name. Yeah, right. Let's and, talk about that arc real quick. And then, like, <laughs> somehow, I guess because she's a junior reporter and, like, has aspirations, ambitions, whatever, like, she decides to do her job and his job at the same time. Yeah, he's obviously, like, <laughs> hitting on her, but not even doing a real good job. So that's also, he's, like, out trying to fuck around outside his marriage. Right. Because that happens twice in this little arc. And she's not into it. She and, do, until, She's not into it. Right. Until <clears throat> the story hits big and then when they're celebrating at the bar she's like, we should have sex tonight. Yes. And he's like, I'm gonna go call my wife. <laughs> and ends up hanging out with Champ because I guess his wife said no. <laughs> but, <laughs> don't hang out with me, nigga. I don't want to see you. But like, she did all the work. Like, she set up all the interviews she for him. Everything. She got the videotape for him. You know what I mean? Like, she found the records. And, and so, he chose not to trust any single one right. of his witnesses. And it's it's wild too because like, we'll talk about the real story in a minute. Like, the real actual article that was written Mm -hmm. but like even just thinking about it from a real world perspective right like if if somebody dies okay right you know like it's not even that there's records you know because like you know if if you've got a john doe or you know if somebody died and say like you know a a boat you know overturned and like we just didn't hear from them again or like you know something like that people go missing right you know there might be some okay, well, I don't know, like, could be alive, could be dead, I don't, you know, there's some question into it, but if people die, and, and if people die with family still alive, right, like, there's a reason you get a death certificate. <laughs> First of all, so nobody goes around impersonating this person, because if they, you know, like, somebody gets this person's social security number or you right. know gets their simple shit you know what i mean like now they can just impersonate your family member your loved one probably you know reap off your financial success or whatever just mess up your right. whole like 
you know, life. Secondly, just from an estate standpoint, you can't inherit anything from somebody who's still alive. <laughs> so Bob Satterfield Jr. wouldn't even actually have a like uh, a horse in that race, right? If his dad was actually dead. Yeah, you know. So like, there's there's certain things that it's just like, yeah, I think because even from a journalistic perspective, right? Like, yes, if somebody turns down an interview, right? Like, you don't obviously want to hassle them or anything like that, <laughs> yeah, uh, because that's gonna you know play Make, badly, right? But like. Or even, you know, you'll see an article sometimes where, like, you know, so we reached out to so-and-so for comment and, like, they didn't return any, you know, comment to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you have to do your due diligence. But at the same time, like, you know, he, that guy hung up on him so quick. <laughs> it, what he said, he's like, he was just like, who is this? What? Bob Satterfield. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, baby. <laughs> like, really, that was the entire call. Like, it, you... I think you get one more chance after that where you're just like, hey, this article is going to happen. I'm about to print it. Would you like to say anything? You know what I mean? <laughs> because it. because it's good. You know, and just leave a voice message and just say, hey, you know, we're going to do this. You know, we'd love to have your contribution, et cetera. But apparently he never called that man again. That part is just <laughs> the due diligence. That part is literally just the job. Because, again, at the end of the day, your paper is the one that has to stand on that, your right? Your paper stands on your words. And so editors are going to, like, double-checking isn't necessarily to go behind your back because I don't believe that you're doing the work. Right. It's more so, like, we have to cover our asses top to bottom because even just something as simple as getting, you know, dates wrong or, like, you know, simple basic information, like we said, that's going to impact the way that people view your paper in terms of, like, 100%. your credibility. So, like, somebody has to be going through. If somebody just went through and said, huh, Bob Siderfield, let's look up his birth certificate or, like, any of the information <laughs> pertaining to, like, when he was born, where he was born, yada, yada. Like, oftentimes, part and parcel, you will find birth certificate, Boom. death certificate. Right? Easy stuff. <laughs> Easy stuff. Like, you know, very rarely, if ever, are you going to find, because the way that the movie tries to write it off is a very strange thing where it's like, yeah, well, he had an obituary, but it was on a black newspaper that nobody knew about. And it got that was filed. actually, that was one of the craziest parts of the movie <laughs> to me. When they said, oh, it was in this black paper that no one read. And I was like, I, how fucking dare you? But even like, then, it's like... That's, it's a paper that was published. It's yeah. like it's it's like any other paper. There's going to be records of it. Even if it's like the Denver nigga. I don't know. Like, that's, you know. That's what the Library of Congress is for. That's what it does. That's like literally, <laughs> that's, it's literally a catalog of all of those things for that purpose. So you know, there's, there's, there's certainly yes, we tried, we failed, we, you know, we, we tried to get information, yada yada. But like, if you're like, papers are usually ninety nine, ninety eight percent sure what they're printing is ironclad. Otherwise, they won't do it. They won't because, even print. Like, they wouldn't even go to press. <laughs> You know, and the few times that journalists, and I, I say few, not necessarily because like nobody's ever lied before, but like, uh, what was what was my man Tom Brokaw, right? Wasn't he like? Oh yeah, you know, that's right. Like, oh yeah, lying about you know Iraq War Iraq. and stuff like that. Like people do that, but then they do get found out, you know, and it is like it does look bad on them, even though Tom kind of like brushed that off and kept it moving. Yeah, he really did. He was like, <laughs> oh, time to retire. I'm great, right? Yeah, um, but like. You know, there's certain people who have definitely, like, their careers were over 
because people are like, oh, you just you just lied you about lied. sources and all kinds of and even like sources that you can't verify. Right. Like editors get very nervous about that because like you need to have, especially if you do get taken to court, you know, you need to be able to say, oh, no, see, we talked to this person. We have, you know, records, we right. took notes, we've right. got our audio recording, we've got, you know, all kinds of other stuff that you can play back and say, this is exactly what you said. This is exactly what, you know what I mean? Like, there's no questions about it. The whole fifth season of The Wire is literally about <laughs> this. <laughs> like, this is the reason. And, and actually, that shit came out before this shit. Yeah. So, like, come on, guys. So the idea that, like, the paper was so gung-ho to do this, you know, article that they didn't even have one person say, hey, just before we put this out into the world, like, let's just do secondhand verification. Somebody else, you know, go through all these notes, like, double-check the facts. Hey, let me help you. You know, because... (laughs) Let me help us. Even, like, there's a scene that I actually did enjoy where Josh Hartnett is having lunch with samuel jackson and he's like like sort of trying to do his job and he's like hey you know we're just we're we're trying to like get some information and like you know you know what really helped the story is like if you just let me go through your cart and like you know kind of look at some things and i can add that can add color to my story and sam jackson's like great yeah go ahead as soon as you let me go through your house and like go through all your shit crazy (laughs) he flipped him on him so fast eating that little french onion soup or whatever he was munching on like it was hilarious and just hardly was like oh Okay. <laughs> and he really like bite off of that. He was like, bye. I'm done. You know, but it's like if you have a if you have a source or like even a subject that is being dodgy about information. Information that, that seems pertinent to like literally your story. Yeah, like that is definitely a red flag to say all right you know like let me go around maybe and see if i can do a little bit more research into that because that's really the the heart of this movie is like it it tries to pivot from being like somewhat of a you know sports drama to like a a hardcore all the president's men style like this is about journalism they do the whole shot of the presses like (laughs) there's no you wouldn't do that unless it be was like a serious movie about journalism and it that's when the movie falls apart completely. Completely. But going back to something you said before, I mean, this was the thing that like just struck me from a screenwriting perspective, right? From a story arc perspective, <laughs> right? That's not a story. Man uh, is is desperate for you know fame, notoriety, live sure. up to his father's you know name, and in his hubris, like overreaches and like gets himself into a whole heap of shit, and then has to dig himself out. This movie is that, except except for the part where he digs himself out, he just doesn't face consequences. <laughs> like literally when the story is supposed to get the most in the trenches, it just goes the opposite way completely and he's like, oh he good. He good. Yeah. Actually everything his wife took him back. <laughs> he got a promotion. Oh he looking good. He baby. got a book deal. Like he doing great. You, you know what I mean? And it's like and, and but but it's intercut, and it's the, that's what I'm really fucked up off of is that it's intercut with that finance bro coming back to Sam Jack in the in the alley and being like, "I'm back, my nigga, let's go, <laughs> blam, 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 yeah, round two. And it's so it's because it, the movie. You're right. So so let's let's track that real quick. That it is like a personal drama. It starts as like this personal drama. You're supposed to be 
deeply invested in like Josh Hartnett's like problem, especially the fact that like his father was like this notoriety uh, notary uh, announcer and journalist and all this stuff. So he's got a lot to live on. Yeah. And then the movie twists into that that like journalistic feature where it's more about like this is what the paper's got to deal with now. This isn't even about you anymore, right? Right. And then it ends on a note that says, fuck both of them. It's actually about <laughs> how great it is to be white and how horrible it is to be, to be black and poor. Because, like, literally my dude just, like, graduates into the heavens while Sam Jack get, graduates into the heavens at the same time. He, like, dies in an alley, and that's the end of the movie. The movie ends on that. And, like, a little, and like what? Like, some boxing footage? Like, it's, it, it's, it's literally written, like... Like, how would a 20-year-old boy, like, make this movie? Yeah. Like, all right. So, like, it's a movie. Like, he pitches it as the same movie. It's like, it's a, it's a taught in personal drama. And then it becomes a mo- movie about the American newspaper system. And, right. like, the studio's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. And then it, and then he wins. <laughs> and then the champ dies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's gonna sad. Be, that's going to be important. That's going to be sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because it's like, it. that's not... That's not an ending to a movie. It's not, and it like literally cuts to black, or cuts to the footage, and it, like like that's like some kind of artistic touch yeah. on the end. Fuck you! But even just again as a character arc, it's like he doesn't he doesn't do anything. He has a, a one and a half bad days. <laughs> and then... actually like things bad things keep happening to him but he's like jujitsu and he's like wow he is water he is bruce lee my guy was like no none of that affects me i am i am a rock in the river bro yes because like if there were if there had even just been like all right you know him he's got to move into a motel like you know like he right. doesn't have any money he's like down bad you know and then like we see him kind of working himself back and like you know he manages to get you know this or that or he starts a sports blog or like you know what like something where it's just like okay you know like it it didn't go he he lost this right right but he gained something else right like he lost his his journalistic you know dreams of like being a Pulitzer Prize winning whatever right right but right he, you know he found credible yeah but he maybe he he rediscovered his relationship with his son and like how to be honest with him or he like learned how to you know he he rediscovered his love of writing because he was free from all the pressures of living up to it like something yeah, like that you know right. what I mean but like even that stuff gets muddled like I see yeah. where you're trying to go right yeah but you're literally trying to go there you can't get there because the movie doesn't let you get no. there the problem actually one of my biggest problems and one of the biggest what the fucks about this movie is a scene in the middle where so uh whatever josh Hartnett's character's name is uh eric yeah eric kernan is uh offered a job at showtime to be like an announcer a boxing announcer and he you know apparently he does a good job apropos of never being on television right and he looks (laughs) green too which is hilarious he looks super green when he does the actual gig so he comes out of the gig he's in vegas uh, he's meeting with a Showtime executive yeah. in the middle of the uh, the casino. Now, mind you, this movie, Resurrecting the Champ, was made by Paramount Pictures, who yeah. owns Showtime. Yeah. 
Why do they portray the Showtime exec as like this super sleazy woman who is just like, I just want to fuck tonight. Yeah. You can get your, your wishes can come true. Your dreams can come, come true. On. You just gotta, you know, this, this Lois is here for you, it's man. Vegas, you can be baby. my Superman, baby. Like, <laughs> we in Vegas. We in Vegas. This, there's no rules here. There's no <laughs> clocks here. We can do, time doesn't even exist. We can do whatever we want. And, and I'm just like, so A, Paramount didn't give a shit about how, let al- studio executives, yeah. let alone their own studio executives, are portrayed in a movie yeah. put out by their own. And it also doesn't even feel like a sharp, witty thing. It just feels like they just missed the mark completely and didn't catch yeah. that this character is like a sleazeball. Well, it's it's supposed to be a scene of kind of like, be careful what you wish for, because she's like... She's giving it to you all on a silver platter. It could all happen. Yeah, but she, but he's like, oh, but you know it's really important to me to like continue my journalistic efforts. And like, I'd really like to keep writing for the paper. And she's like, nigga, you're on TV. Dog. I'm on, you're on Showtime. <laughs> you could be on a today show tomorrow. Uh, stupid. Uh, like, yeah, nah, we don't do that shit. Like, nah. <laughs> let's go to this hotel room, drink a couple drinks and see where the night goes. And he's like, I won't call my son. Yeah, I'm like, get on the first flight out and go see my, my wife who doesn't want me to come in the house anymore. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So then that's also the crazy thing is like this happens right before he's found out. Yeah. Right. So like he's given a taste of, all right, I could be like an, in, I could be an integrity filled journalist and I mm-hmm. can like succeed the right way and it'll feel great. Yeah. And then it all comes crashing down, but there's never a sense of like, what could I have had? He doesn't even think about that. He's no, just Cause like, he gets it back immediately. Cause he's, ne- he's never really in trouble. <laughs> He's never really down bad. Like, look, he's offered the Showtime job. He yeah. Literally, niggas was like, put him on TV. You've never seen him before. Put him on off, TV. Off one article. One article. And she's even, she calls him and she's like, I'm sure you're getting all kinds of calls. And he's like, actually, you're the first person. She's like, mm, okay. Well, cool, cool. Can we put you in front of a camera during a boxing match? Can we match? put you on primetime television? Crazy talk. Crazy talk, right? And then the article comes out. And then he's literally like showered with all these uh, people are talking about a Pulitzer's around him. Yeah. They're like, yo, you really bout that life. And he's like, I am bout that life. Yeah, he's feeling himself. And then even when he's found out, he really gets the o- the only thing he really gets is like his wife is a little disappointed in for five seconds. Oh, those kids read him at school. And also, yeah, <laughs> little Emily like flames his ass at school. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> But then he, right after that, right after some kids call him stupid, like, he gets it all back. Yeah. He gets the opportunity to apologize. He gets taken up on that opportunity and proceeds to win. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's like, he, after he gets knocked out in the middle of the street, he could, you know, give a fuck about Sam Jack anymore. Yeah, he's like, that's over. That's over. That nigga's not my friend, right? And the next time we even see this character in the movie, he dies. Yeah. He he gets rejected by his ex-wife and then dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. He does even go up to her. He, like, we see that. Scene. He drops him off at in front of her house. Yeah. And like apparently he did take him back because he's out back on the streets. And the next the time we see him. Um, I mean, let's let's two things. One, let's play this for Sam. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's talk about this because he's doing something here. Oh, he is. I mean, it's it's <laughs> from the first time you hear him speak. Yeah, it's interesting because I there was an interview I watched with him where the interviewer like 
asked a bad question uh but like but you could you could see what he's saying and like of course any if you've seen any samuel jackson interview where like people are talking to him about you know movies or whatever like specifically these press junket things like he's just eating niggas every oh, day it's, you know? it's delicious it's delicious because <laughs> he's you know i think a lot of people uh come in expect these things to not only just be like light fluff the and like, we're gonna have fun yeah but also like you know this is i'm interview number 40 that you're ha- like you're not really listening to me like we're just like parroting back quotes but like sam jackson's actually listening to what he saying. is yes <laughs> so like this guy's like yeah you know like oh all the movies i've seen you in you know it's always just like you know you're just playing yourself you're just playing sam jackson and like this is the first time and sam jackson's like what <laughs> just insult the and he's like wait, wait well you know what i mean like you know that samuel jackson like you know like personality and he's like oh okay yeah okay no i I, okay sure (laughs) you know and like the guy kind of like wiggles his way it's not as bad as the django one where he's like if we'll just say it just say the word there's no problem dude just say the word but i guess you won't get to hear my great question wasn't that great (laughs) just ether him just like (laughs) but it's it's the i what what he was trying to get at is that yes a lot of the times it's not even what Samuel Jackson does. I think it's probably more so what he gets cast as and what these parts are written as. Right. Which are, right. yes, be do Sam Jackson's shtick. Like, come on. Persona, charisma. There's, you know, some motherfuckers. And, like, you know, you've got that, you know, like, big personality. You dominate right. the screen. Um, you know, and that's, that's how people write the characters that he plays. You know, that's how people kind of want to see him. Um, but this is a role where he... Because... We say that's about a lot of, you know, the black actors in these movies. Like, they are they are actors. acting. <laughs> they are acting. The and, mic is on. But they are also like actors. You know, I think a lot of people just assume that black people don't do Shakespeare or don't go to like Yale drama right. school right. or like do right. all. The, and it's like and these just are black like, folks that show up in movies <laughs> somehow. Like, We're all Ice Cube. <laughs> We're all Ice Cube. Like. People are like legit, like thespian. Like Samuel Jackson has done anything, everything that you He's can. He's literally imagine. in the piano <laughs> lesson on Broadway right now. <laughs> like he does all of it. He just he loves to act. You know what I mean? Like that's his <laughs> whole deal. So like, it's not that he can't do something like this. It's just that often people don't ask him to do that, so and he does ask, it. <laughs> they underestimate him because like when they write, well, what this interviewer is saying by. Uh, Saying like, oh, you know that charisma is saying that he's like a one trick pony. Even yeah. Though he's a good actor, he's just like he got that persona. He's that dude from Pulp Fiction that was really scary. Right. But also quoting the Bible and like talking about cheeseburgers. Like, right. It's all charisma, and to say that to any actor is just like you don't. You obviously don't know anything about actors. Yeah. And to talk to like, especially a a box office get yeah. and be like one of the best we got. Like yeah. you're. You're a fool. Well, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you can see it across the board when, like, you know, I know I know, Will Smith is in a bad place, you know, <laughs> in, terms working, of, in terms of Hollywood's yeah. perspective. But, like, you know, Will Smith, people say, oh, he just he's just Will Smith in every movie. But, again, I think it's just people cast him to be 
Will Smith in a movie and like that's okay like he'll do that same thing with Denzel same thing with a lot of people like there's a certain they forget that like Denzel started doing some of his first movies are much ado about nothing like Shakespeare adaptation for Will was even uh, an adaptation of a play Six Degrees of Separation he came out the gate doing adaptations of plays that had already won Tonys yeah so like it's it's just you are correct though that there is this massive like underwriting of even like of our best actors because mm-hmm. they're black. Yeah. Simply because they're black. Angela Bassett is under underwritten and undercast time yeah. and time again. And we know that she's literally like in the same year. In 1992, she gave two of the best performances that we yeah. know her for yeah. in the same year. That's crazy. Well, it's, it's funny too because in the same interview, Sam Jackson is talking to this guy and he's like, yeah, you know. Because in the movie, Sam Jackson, you know, they put on a decent amount of makeup on him to make him look older and weathered and like scarred. Yes. Um, and you know, like he wasn't born old, (laughs) (laughs) Well, but he's also, he's, he's affecting certain like mannerisms, you know, walks, shuffles. He's doing a different voice. Come on, man. Let's Uh, get, let's get to the voice. Let's get to the voice. Cause you know, it's wild. He He, sounds like Dave Chappelle's crackhead. He sounds, (laughs) and it's the second he opens his mouth. He's like, Hey baby, what's, what's going on? Like, he's but he's doing all kinds of things and the interviewer is like oh yeah well like did, how hard did you find it you know to kind of get out of champ you know when when you know the scene was like did you do that at the end of the day you know like were you still trying to stay in that role you know after well, like once the, the scene were done and sam jackson was like i was done as soon as i said cut <laughs> wow and Just... he was like well he oh so like you know at, like at the end of filming it was like no like literally at the scene when they said cut <laughs> every time done. they said cut i was I, done i was done and he was like oh well you know i mean you know because other actors sometimes like oh no like i know but like i also know that when my agent calls they want to talk to samuel jackson not <laughs> champ <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's it's wild they deserve it every time they deserve it every time because like those questions are also like you know how it works not all actors are like that and definitely samuel jackson doesn't ever he never positioned himself to yeah. be one of those type of actors he seems like a regular dude Oh, was just yeah. very, very good at the craft of acting. Yeah. Well, it's also, again, I think a little bit of that, like, underestimating ability where, you know, it's like, oh, well, you, you would have, like, I There's can't. There's no way you could perform. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't, how, you can't just turn it on and off. Like, and, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I can. I I'm can. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> You've I do. seen me. You know me. But yeah, so I, we could talk about the performance because, like, there is, you know, he is doing this voice. He's, I thought it was gonna go away. Yeah. Actually, it does go away once. Hold yeah. up, look, I wrote it. <laughs> Sam dropped the voice while he was beating that kid's ass. Yes, yes. <laughs> when he was beating that boy's ass at the end, he was like, "Yeah, nigga." I was like, "Oh, that's he got some bass there." But he he does in a movie that feels very hollow. Like he is the emotional soul and center of the film, and, and he carries the, it. He does he, carry it, or he carries you forward at least. Yeah, like the the only scenes worth watching are the scenes that he's in. Yeah, the way that he um, is not only able to play off of Josh Hartnett, but like like buoy that character as well. Really, you know what I mean, really like every every interaction with them because, Truly. like we we're saying, that scene where like. You know, uh, he he tells him, yeah, I mean, let me go into your house and look through all your shit, you know, or like... You see his face. (laughs) You see Josh Harden's face when he hears that. He's like, oh, Uh oh, okay, okay, you're right. Um, And even in the the moments where, like, they're trying to get to that center of father-son relationship, like, it's Samuel Jackson's 
monologues and reminiscing about you mm. know losing his son and um you know like relationship like his father beating him and like all kinds of stuff where like he's the one that's emoting you know right. he's the one that's really giving you that undercurrent of like yeah you know like those relationships can be you know tricky and, and devastating both ways between father and son and mm-hmm. he's the one that's really like lifting that up and he's the one at the because i mean this is there's many problems with this movie but one of them <laughs> is that like champ is the one that you want to see win it, the movie is called <laughs> resurrecting the champ it's it's crazy that that is like lost on the movie he's the, the one that you want to see re- reunited with his ex-wife and you know getting a second chance at life and having the opportunity to you know make amends for the past and like do all this stuff but Josh Hartnett is the one <laughs> that is fully resurrected that his career is resurrected and it's his fault everything that every every problem in this movie is his fault from his failing marriage to his (laughs) almost like tanking his pay his own newspaper that he works for yeah it's his fault i can't tell i don't know the champ is white people is that what's going on here is no it wasn't about the champ it was about us yes we're back we're Uh, we're, (laughs) i want to tell yeah tell everybody we back on top all right (laughs) tell everybody we back up I, but I, in your opinion, because I, I was trying to parse this as I watched the movie, and I couldn't tell whether this was the writing of the movie or just how Josh Hartnett was playing the character. Okay. But like, he seemed smarmy and desperate from Jump. You from Jump, I mean? definitely. Like, like that's how it starts. And it had uh, Jake Gyllenhaal Nightcrawler energy. Where like, oh yeah, you know, like that movie. It's explicit. He's not good. Yeah, you know he's a mean? bad dude. Like you're you're kind of, you're watching this creepy sociopathic guy manipulate people and rise throughout the ranks and like really pull the wool over everyone's eyes until it's too late and uh-huh. things go completely left. Josh Hartnett, it seems like people like him. I can't tell why because like he his wife don't even like him. Well, because like he and his kid still thinks he's like still worth a damn. His son, like his. <laughs> There's the scene where they're at the dinner table. He he. So he goes over, right? He basically like begs his wife, guilts his wife into letting him see his son. They're playing yeah. basketball in the driveway. He is lying to him. Oh my god! From oh. start to finish. Wow, the scene. I forgot about this scene where he's like, and the boy is throwing up bricks. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then at the end, when like the wife is getting ready to pull up, his son is like. Oh, you know, we're having spaghetti dinner tonight. Like, it would be great if you could stick around. And his, what Josh Hartnett says to his wife is, Oh, uh, he, like, our son Say. really wants me to stick around tonight for dinner. I don't know. I mean, what do you, you know, kind of just like throwing him out there as like. Never said that once <laughs> during the scene. And it's crazy that the son doesn't say anything, especially when his, when his classmates are as smart as they are. Because yeah. he is just sitting there in the, in the driveway like, I guess I said that, mom. <laughs> like, what? And his wife is just like, I guess this is yeah sure and then cut to him eating some spaghetti that he ain't gotta cook i got spaghetti and meatballs for two but i guess we'll cut down for three yeah i'll have a less of a serving (laughs) to feed your bitch ass and then during the 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 dinner his son is like oh dad like oh with the magazine job like would it pay more money he's like no son you silly dumbass (laughs) getting more money (laughs) but even though that's literally what happens to him (laughs) But it would be, look, I would get more prestige. I get more time to work on stories. You know, I, 
I, you know, have to do 15 stories a year. And his son's like, oh, that doesn't sound like a lot. And he's like, silly son. You don't know anything about <laughs> journalism. Don't... Oh, my God. And it's like, what do you, why, why are you talking to your son why are you like talking to your son? Yeah, why, why are you educating your son like this? Like, he, it, you want to raise a son who knows things about the world, not just like a boy you placate until he's old enough right. to get out of the house. But it's just like the, that whole interaction, like every interaction that he has with people, like he's manipulating everyone. He's using everyone, yep. not just Champ, but everybody in his vicinity. And then, like you said, when everything comes back around on him, he's like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm right. It, I'm me. Because <laughs> there's, there's the final scene between him and his son, which is very gross, where he like shows oh, up in yeah. the middle of the night. And like, basically, again, strong arms his wife into like, I need to see my child because he's so upset. But really, it's me that's upset and needs to like feel better I about need to myself. Cry around so, him. <laughs> his son is asleep, and he walks into the room and wakes him up. And it's like <laughs> talking to him, and his son is like, uh, you know, everybody's calling you a liar, and he's like. Well, and he like the way that he explains lying was crazy because he was like, well, you know, like Champ didn't or, or, or I didn't lie. I just didn't have, you know, all the information or like. Some kind of like and his son didn't third eye and was like, you didn't have the information. You didn't choose to get the information, father. Because then he's like, am I a liar? Because I told all those things to, to people that you told me. And he's like, no, you're not a liar because I something absolved myself. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's just like You good. And he and it sounds like I think I'm gonna go back to bed now. <laughs> he literally like hits him with the I'm up too late. You, you fucking around. I'm a kid, I got things to do. <laughs> but it's even in that, like he he his son is just like, Okay, dad, love you. Thanks for waking me up to like assure yourself that yeah. you did nothing wrong. This seems like it's more about you than it's about me. <laughs> And then his whole family is like, yeah, we love you. We'll take you back. It's like, what has he ever done that, in this movie right, that, that makes you think that this is a man that not only do you want around your family, but like he's not going to do the same shit again. And correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but like his wife works at the same paper, yes. right? Yes. His How? wife works at the same paper, and when Alan Alden comes into the to the bar to bark on him, That's he's right. like, "Oh, guess what? We also need to talk to your wife." Yeah, <laughs> we want to drag her under investigation too because you're dragging her down. You know, so like she's like the respected one in the relationship. On top of being the respected person in the relationship, she's being disrespected because he's trying to fuck around with a girl who works at the same yeah. paper. Yep. And and probably not even hiding it. You know what I mean? This is the nigga who's worthy of redemption. Yes. And Champ dies and alone. Champ <laughs> dies after getting smacked around by a white boy, white business bro. Like, what a crazy... I'm just... Again, I'm trying to think about it from a screenwriting perspective, right? Right, because like, you have to know the things. <laughs> like, how crazy is it to think, you know what is a good ending I know it. For this character, after everything we've seen, not similar salvation or second chance that this guy who has done nothing to deserve it gets, but to, I guess, finally win a fight as himself and he can die happy knowing that he 
the truth came out. I don't really know. Because he fought a finance bro. He's not even in the same weight class, weight division as him. But it's like. He's not a welterweight. He's a fucking finance weight. Well, because it's like, what. What what am I being told about Champ with that ending? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's you know, the truth was set You're you being free, told yada, that the yada, drinking should have stopped a long time ago. <laughs> and he should have kept fighting while he was drinking all the time like that. Because it's, it's not... Because he drinks in, like, every scene. Every scene, he's like, you, get, you buy me one of them beers? He drinks yep. a whole six-pack in front of him once. Yep. Uh yeah, so it's kind of like you're supposed to be alluded to the fact that like his alcoholism will probably kill him. But he's he dies with a smile on his face. It's oh, it's uh, <laughs> it reeks of like disrespect. That's what it really does to me, right? Yeah, because you're the movie. First of all, got the nerve to call the movie resurrecting the champ, and he dies, and he dies. <laughs> And then the movie ends, so we didn't resurrect him. No, if anything, we yeah. only killed him. Yeah, killed him twice. Killed him twice. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> this is so fucked up. And then, so the story is like not about the champ, right? Okay. So it's about this white journalist dude who's just going through like literal life shit. By the yeah. way, niggas when they around forty go through shit like this all the time. Yeah. So he's just being a regular white dude who gets everything he wants as a result of lying. Yes. Zero out of and ten. It's an F. Like what? Like, exploiting this black man's and, trauma and pain. Right. Even though, <laughs> even though this little like you know fake crackhead boxer dude did like finesse him a little bit. But here's the thing. He finessed him. Here's the thing about him. So they're both liars. Well, well, cause here's the thing that his wife tells him that like it's it really like it bothered me specifically when you see him in the. Um, hospital after getting knocked out yeah and he's talking to the cop and he's like i want to press charges he assaulted me you know what i mean like that man is a danger to society yada 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 and it's like again we're we're dealing with all of this jordan neely fallout and everything that's happened Mm -hmm. recently but like champ and a lot of people who are living out on the street like people like to think about it of like oh you know well you know people got to do what they got to do to get to tomorrow Right, to survive. It's not tomorrow. It's to get to the next moment. You know what I mean? Like there's you don't have you don't have the conception of time in that way of like I don't know when I'm gonna eat next. I don't know where I'm gonna sleep tonight. I don't know if something's gonna happen to me. I'm here now. I don't know if somebody's gonna make me leave. If I leave, I don't know if I'm gonna find another place to go. Yeah, the movie is actually like really, really chill about like the homeless plight in general. He's just a homeless man. Like that's and and it's like the idea that because I mean I I did appreciate the way that Samuel Jackson you know in in terms of like rebuffing a lot of Josh Hartnett's bullshit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just kind of like you know when Josh Hartnett's accusing him of like lying to him and he's like. That's you're talking to me, dog. Right. Like, I was here minding my own business. I love that about his performance. <laughs> Honestly, I did because I, I was thrown off by the voice at the top of the movie. But then, like as the movie went on, and he just seemed to be like a real nigga who just like been through some shit and like knows like that a lot of this stuff that the, he's that like Josh Hartnett's character is feeding him is bullshit. Yeah. Like and just sees through that very plain and clear. Like I was like, okay, he's a smart guy. Like he's not no. And the and the screenwriter actually has like just enough respect for him to give him like a little bit of like agency yeah 
over his situation. But that's the thing, like it, thinking about it of him, like oh, you know, he was finessing Josh Hartnett or like trying to get, like I was minding my business. You're right, right, right. Living my life. I, you came to me. You you asked me <laughs> to be the profile piece of your story. You came to me, yeah, telling was, me all this stuff. I said things to you, and sure, you said yes. this is the truth. I have no. I didn't tell you to say that. <laughs> He's. I mean, he says to him, "You're the journalist." <laughs> like you, you know, if you, if you, if I lie to you, it's your job to see through my lies. But he's like, you know, you're you're coming up to me. You're basically paying me every time I see you. You're sliding me money. You're buying me beer. You know what I mean? You're treating me to food, like all mm-hmm. of this stuff. Like you want me to just be like, nah, I'm good. You know, because even like when he <laughs> when he came up and gave him the money, you know, after because he tried to slide him, right? Like he came yeah. up and he was like, he hit oh, him with the money phone real he, quick. He, well, he was like, oh yeah, Bob, you know, oh the, everybody loves the article. Here's you know, here's here's the money that they gave us. And he's like, oh, it's for the champ. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's like, oh okay, well thanks. You know, he starts moving away. It's like, yeah, it's for Bob Satterfield. <laughs> You're not Bob Satterfield. That's not you. And he was like. To, I mean, I'm holding the money now. Yo, the, the, the look he gives him in that scene is so beautiful. It's actually that's the real nigga, real nigga scene is his him being like, "Hey, fam, like for real, I told you what it was, right? I told you I'm Bob Satterfield, and I know I'm not, but that's the way the cookie crumbles, bro. Well, you have a job at stake. Like I ain't got shit. I, I could have a couple beers with you, but I didn't say anything I said was fact or anything." But you al- took all that. Right. But also, again, take into account, you are again, you're a journalist, right? <laughs> it's take wild. into account. Your own job. Well, take into account your subject, right? And again, that's not to speak that, you know, people living out on the street are like... Conniving or anything uh, like that. I, I was, I was, uh, conniving, but even like, you know, so desperate for, you know, X, Y, and Z. But again, you see, like, I've had interactions with, with people... And you can tell they just they just want to talk to somebody. They just want to interact with somebody on a human level where you are respecting me as a human being. We're having a conversation. I'm telling you about this, right. doing that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just like just just look at me and acknowledge me. Right? Like don't don't look <laughs> see, past just me. Just see me. Yeah. Like yeah, don't yeah. look past me. Don't like, you know, walk over me. Don't like scoff at me asking for money or you know anything like that like you know i've had interactions where i've, where I've said hey i don't because legitimately i don't carry cash on me anymore <laughs> so i don't i i actually i don't have anything you know to give people and like you know sometimes people are like just because i i make eye contact with them and i say hey sorry but i don't have anything and they're just like thanks brother you know and you that's know? how it and that's how it can go sometimes they're it... like fuck you and i'm like fair hey, hey real real life <laughs> I, I wish I could help you. I just I don't I don't have the means right now. You know what I mean. But like, for a journalist to have a subject who you I mean just journalistic integrity, right? You are again ostensibly paying this man to tell you things, right? Right. <laughs> if he's not telling you the truth, whose fault is that? You paid him. <laughs> right. That's the way you spent he, your money. He is just trying to live. Right. And even in the context of how they set up his story, where, you know, he was brought in by this other boxing promoter to be Bob Satterfield and like appear as this man. And like he was just trying to make a living. He was just trying to live. Right. And so, like, 
the idea, like, because like you were saying, get, being Bob Satterfield doesn't get him anything. Right, you know right, I mean? right, like right, being right. like telling people that I'm this man living. The on finance the bros didn't care if he no. was Bob Satterfield or not. <laughs> you know, so like you're the one that made a big deal out of this, and you're the one who intended to come up off of this, right? Right, you know what I mean? He was just living his life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a couple, a couple more things because we 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 kind of talked about this movie's ending a lot, yeah, which is just, just wild. Um, it's actually not. That's not the ending of the movie. Because remember. The last part is his uh, voiceover mm. writing the letter to his son. Oh, yeah. And he ends the movie saying mucho grande. He couldn't even, he couldn't even keep, the cat, keep the colonialist in him. <laughs> he had to let it out before the movie fucking ended. Like, it's the last words of the script. That's crazy. Jesus. That's fucking crazy. Mucho grande. I love you, mucho grande. Get the fuck Boo. out of here. What? Boo. <laughs> what else? Did I, what? Oh, yeah. He ran up on John Elway at the Bonefish Grill. This movie has a John Elway cameo for like no reason. It, well, because I mean. I mean, I get what the reason is, but yeah. like, what was the. Again, what was the bag? Why was John Elway like, oh, I want to contribute to this story of the champ or like, I'm going to get like 20 grand. For, that was like, actually Jake Lamato on the phone, too. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here! What? This movie was like actually trying to be credible. I guess. So. Well, he could. This is like because like the Rocky Marciano dude. That that guy is on Archers and New Black. Yeah. I know. I've seen him. I've seen him coming a mile away. Yeah. No. This is like this is Oscar bait one hundred and one. Like this is a very much a movie attempting to trick people into thinking that it there's more behind it. Than Oscar. Like how could how dare you? How. How dare you try to feed me this and call it like Bruh, Oscar worthy? Oscar, like uh, fucking black and white was Oscar bait too with Kevin Costner. That's like, true. there's all kinds of movies like these where like there's an attempt. Kevin Costner, you on my list too, my <laughs> nigga. You talking? You talking wild spicy? You call him a street nigga in that movie <laughs> and thought it was still sweet. There's all kinds of attempts at sentiment and sentimentality in these kinds of movies yes. where, like, they're really trying to manipulate you, the viewer, into thinking something. But, like, I don't know. Well, let's let's get into the behind the scenes. And I, I personally am going to combine the behind the scenes with my reimagining of the movie. Because the crazy thing about this okay. is, is this is based on a article by uh, J.R. Moringer called resurrecting the champ mm. right i'm gonna tell you the real story cameron <laughs> I, I because we 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 they hit us with the infamous based on a true story at the beginning of the movie he did um and it's this this is what i think the more that i read about it i still need to get to the very end of the article but like you know you you know everything you need to know by the point that i'm at but like so much of this can i why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Oh my god. Stop fucking lying. Here's the deal. So Jeremiah Ringer doesn't have a wife and kids and wasn't doing any Oh that my god, so he's a lonely regular nigga. I like, mean he at this point in time, maybe he does now, I don't know, but like, Yeah, but at the time that they're trying to like yeah. convince me that he needed his wife and child, no. he had neither. No. Right. Uh, and he was, you know, like getting not started in journalism. Like he'd been around it for a while, but like, you know, did some stuff for New York Times, moved out to LA, was working the LA Times, who was like really getting the bottom of the barrel 
work you know what i mean okay. just like kind of scraping by as a journalist and covering jets games gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. got got a tip uh from the crime reporter at, at their desk because they were you know just kind of he was kind of scrounging around trying to see if anybody had anything leeching uh and she was like uh you, you know like i got this tip from you know this cop uh about this this guy who's living out in the park claiming to be you know an ex-boxing champ and all this stuff and like you know i don't know if there's anything there but like you can have it if you want you know <laughs> check it out and so he goes and he checks it out and you know the guys again claiming to be you know bob satterfield and you know taking all all this he's doing a lot of the same things that samuel jackson's doing like he's like talking about oh you know i fought jake lamada or i fought you know yeah. Rocky marciano and i broke his nose and like you know all this stuff yeah because it took him a while like he kind of was like going around santa Ana and was trying to like figure out like where where is this guy at you know who is he you know you know he finally okay, so, like, so he tried to find him he tried to yeah, really do some research so he, he finally like finds him and he starts like having these conversations with him and like you know learning about him and again he's telling him like just information that like you would have to be this man to know right right just like talking about his his wife iona and like how like oh he loved her but you know like things didn't work out between them and then like their son tragically got killed and like all this other stuff and like um so Mm -hmm. like he's he's writing the story you know and he's he's doing the work i mean this is the crazy thing about this movie right is like Joe J.R. Moringer, like reading the story, like he is a journalist, like mm-hmm. doing journalism. So he is like going around, like checking facts. He's talking to people, like he's he's looking up footage and like pulling up like old like um, you know like breaks of like all of the uh, fights that you know um, Bob Satterfield's telling him about. So like he's he's fact checking, legitimizing, and like even then, like his editors are kind of like we were saying before i mean this is cool this is good color and all that stuff but like we need to like we need to verify these things you can't just print stuff that some guy's telling you like you need to actually (laughs) like (laughs) that's not fact i have to check these facts he kept going around and like you know he said at the beginning like the woman who gave him the tip kind of just did a throwaway of like you can have it i don't know like the guy might be dead you know, like as not even like a real like I know that for a fact, but just like, it's, like it's possible. Who yeah, knows? I don't even know. Who knows? Um, and so like he like some people had kind of like suggest like because uh, he called um, Jake Lamada, and Jake Lamada was like, "Oh, Bob Satter, like I I thought he died," and he's like, "No, I'm talking to him. Like I'm you know I'm having conversations with him." And Jake Lamada was like, "I guess yeah, sure." You know, so like all the people that he was talking to couldn't like accurately say whether he had died or not and like when he suggested that he was alive they all seemed to say yeah okay possible sure yeah it's not i'm not (laughs) i I don't have any evidence to the contrary so if you're saying that you're talking (laughs) to him then sure you know so he kept trying to verify and like you know bob sire again would like continue to add all of these you know things to it then he found out like he got some more information to kind of like go deeper into it Uh and like found out that like you know bob satterfield wasn't and this isn't like even just the person that he was talking to but like bob satterfield wasn't actually bob satterfield's real name like it was a name that he used because there was another fighter that had a similar name to his oh, um, he didn't and so yeah he didn't want to be confused so he went by bob satterfield instead of his actual name oh wow um and like 
you know, when he looked into that actual name, there were like accusations of like, you know, him like, you know, abusing his, you know, wife and like all these other oh things. Oh my God. Uh, so then he was like, oh, maybe this guy isn't who I think he is. Like, not even like, you know, literally Bob Satterfield, but like maybe this guy isn't like a great a person. Dude. Yeah. Um, you know, but then like the guy gave him this whole sob story about how he was wrongly, you know, accused and like all this other stuff. And in the piece, you know, Morringer gets into his own personal history and is talking about how, you know, he didn't ha- his father wasn't again a famous like boxing oh. person, but like he was a radio personality and like uh growing up in I think Long Island, like his his father left when he was like super young, but like he would still hear his voice on the radio and like mm. was like attempting to figure out like where he went and like trace that down. So like the story kind of intersects with his own personal quest to find his father and, you know, find out who this man is. Sounds like a really good article. It is actually a really good article. <laughs> um, and like he continues to, you know, try to trace down these leads until he he's, like again it's similar to the movie where like he he sees actual footage of him fighting and like all this other stuff and so like he still doesn't have actual verifiable like here's his birth certificate here's his like you know what i mean you know he's just got some court records that say we've arrested this man he's got like some article from maybe like a few years before where like somebody had written a similar piece of just like bob satterfield out on the street so he's kind of like i mean People not, have been keeping up with them. Yeah, not good enough, but like, I don't know if we're going to do any better. You know, we've got this is kind of what we got. And he calls this one guy who um, used to fight and had a had a fight with Bob Satterfield. And he's like, hey, you know, like, I'm getting close to finishing this thing. Like, maybe like I'm a week out. I'm just doing my due diligence. Like, can you tell me, um, you know, about your fights with Bob Satterfield? Because I've, I've been talking with him yada 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 and like the phone goes dead and then the guy is like bob satterfield's dead (laughs) he's been dead for 20 years and he's like no because i'm talking to him and he's like no 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 no." and he like puts him on like three-way conference call and like just starts calling people and he's like bob satterfield's (laughs) dead right and the guy's like yeah no i think he's dead (laughs) you know and like a lot of people are kind of like there's there's a little bit of like you know, maybe I don't know, but there's enough people who are like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he died that like he starts to get nervous and he's like, we can't print this because like, I don't know if this guy's alive or not. And so he goes and he's like, who are you? Right. Like, he's like, I don't, you know, like I still haven't seen a driver's license, a birth certificate, right. yada, yada, yada. Right. Like, you I know, know you. I need to, I need to test you. Like, I'm going to ask you questions and like, you know, kind of go back and forth. And like, you know, he comes up with this, you know, this whole list of things that like, he thinks only Bob Satterfield and, and, and things that like, they didn't talk about. He's asking them, he's asking them, he's showing them pictures. He answers every question. Right. So he's like, shit i don't like this guy knows so much about bob satterfield that either he's a sociopath or which like, it sounds like he might be because if he's got like all this research done about this man that he's impersonating like, yeah you've gone through some serious work it's either that or he's actually him you know what i mean like yeah, right. I, I i can't tell okay um and so like as he continues to do the research he he, he was supposed to talk to the champ's uh, sister, right? Like, he calls up the sister. He's like, okay, like, I'd like to come out and get, like, let me look at pictures. Let me look at, like, family stuff. Let me look, like, let me verify. And she's kind of 
dodging him and like tries to pass him off until like another family member. And so in, in all of that, he manages to track down cause he's just like, where's the Satterfield, right? Like I'm trying to find somebody that's somebody like, related to this man that know, you know, so he's, he goes, um, like he's going to like graveyards. He's going to like, uh, you know, all these different districts. Anybody, he goes, tell me something about Bob. Goes, yeah, he goes back to Chicago where, you know, Bob Satterfield is, is alleged to be from. And like starts like, not necessarily going through the phone book, but he's just like, I need like anybody who like, I think might be six degrees of separation to this man. Finally finds somebody who goes under the name, like something Satterfield Jr. And he's like, okay, like, Things line up where, like, date-wise, you might be related to him, maybe a son, maybe, like, whatever. Like, calls him up, and he, like, is, you know, I'm doing a piece on Bob Satterfield. And he's like, oh, that's my father. And he's like, oh, because I'm talking to him here in California. And he's like, no, my father's dead. And so he goes over to the son's house, and, like, the son and his wife are there. And, like, he can tell, like, these people don't want to talk to him. He can tell these people are very apprehensive about having a conversation with it (laughs) and as he's talking to them he's like laying out you know pictures and like you know anecdotes and things that he has and like he can see them getting more and more upset as he like goes over it and like the son eventually like gets up brings over you know bob satterfield's actual birth certificate brings over like you know his obituary brings over like you know like damn and he's showing him pictures and he's looking at them and he's like it's similar to the movie it's like it's close enough right like if you didn't if you just looked at two black men and you're like i guess that's them you know what i mean right you know like but but when he's looking at it he's like oh that's clearly not him right you know like i can tell like that's you know everything is different right and so it's like fuck (laughs) yeah you know like that's it like this isn't this isn't a story anymore because this man has been lying to me and like you know like the family like when he starts telling them about this other person like the the guy's wife is like i like she's about to go find this man and like beat his ass Uh um but eventually like he learns like it's similar to the movie where it's like no it's not bob satterfield it's a man that fought bob satterfield and like fought a lot of the same people that Bob Satterfield fought. Which is kind of wild. And, like, had a similar situation where, like, he they were similar enough that, like, somebody was like, hey, here's an idea. I, I could. Yeah, what if we, you know, get into this racket together and, like, you pretend to be him? Because the real Bob Satterfield was a, was a great boxer. Like, uh, you hear stories about... Rocky Marciano, like, saying, you know, yeah, he he did break my nose. Or, like, Jake LaMotta was like, the only person who hit me harder was my ex-wives, is a quote from him. (laughs) Oh, my God. uh, You know, or hurt me as much was my ex-wife. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? So, like... The poetry. You know, people were, were, like, Bob Satterfield was legit, like, a real... Person that affected people's lives. A real person, like, a real championship boxer, apparently... He was one of the hardest hitting boxers, but also like could not take a punch. And so like he would knock as many people out as times he would get knocked out. And eventually he mm-hmm. like was done getting beat up and moved to Paris to study painting. Apparently there became friends with Miles Davis and Muhammad Ali. Like he introduced Muhammad Ali to his first wife. Like he's a known figure in boxing and like all these other circles. 
Um, and so, <laughs> like, of like he he continues to get to the bottom of this, and like, it's yeah, it's a lot of that same situation where like you know this guy was just like I spent so much time living my life as Bob Satterfield that right. like what else am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, how else am I going to live, right? Crazy. But that's the article that this movie is based on, right? Wow. And so... And then, wow. Even in the... Like, if you were to reimagine the movie, you would just do that. Do that story. That's fantastic. (laughs) And then you leave it as a mystery. Right. Like, if he, like, is living in Paris or not. So now that you've heard the real story, oh, like how no. much more offensive is this movie that they decided to have all this other shit? It's mean spirited. <laughs> That's what it is. It's fucking mean. Because it's like this person, the way you described it to me, this man sounds like somebody who lived an exciting first part of his life, but then became like somewhat a little disillusioned, maybe, and decided to, you know, detached from that life yeah fully moved to europe so and that the mystery of that to me where it's like okay he, he died of course like they claim that he died and he's gone and the possibility that he could be alive and well living in paris jacques Brel style you know <laughs> like that would be kind of int- that in itself is like very interesting right yeah. this person who impacted people Ended up impacting culture to a point where people are like, Bob Satterfield. Yeah. Like, you can say his name and people are... But then... I don't, I don't know. I mean, because I, now I'm getting muddled with the actual story that they decided to fucking go with. And that... Yeah. It's... It yeah. feels... It feels rude. And it yeah. feels like... Kind of forgetful about why you even got into this in the first place. Right? Why you even wanted to tell this story in the first place. Because... The Enigma was the champ. Yeah. It's in the title of the movie. Somewhere along the line, you got infatuated with this white man's story yeah. of lies. <laughs> of lies that he made up. Well, and and we wanted to stay here and, like, redeem this man. Yeah. It's crazy because when you read the article, right, like, there isn't any white saviorism in it. Like, J.R. Moringer happens to be a white man and this, you know, man happens to be black. But it's not a situation where he was like... I got me a, you know, this, this story <laughs> where I'm going to really like, you know, cause he was like, oh, you know, this is, this is a story, you know, right. like it's a story, even just the general concept of it was like, oh, you know, ex, ex boxer, championship definitely. boxer living out on the street. Right, definitely interesting. You know, let me go like profile him and like do X, Y, and Z. But like journalism, the, the, the most difficult thing in movies is making journalism the profession interesting because it's really not a lot of it's just grunt work doing work talking to people interviewing people a lot of things that don't go anywhere a lot of stuff where you just have to like double check facts and you're spending lots of times in libraries or like other places looking stuff up and like uh just going over the story again and again proofreading and you know what i mean but the best movies about journalism like i'll say like you know all the president's men spotlight uh, things like that, I wouldn't. I mean, even the post, if you're interested in that <laughs> one, uh, are interesting because the climax is usually when the reporters find out the truth. Right, right. Because the search for the truth is what's interesting about journalism, right. not necessarily the act itself. Right. We all know that it's boring. Right. But the truth, when it comes out, 
is usually like fucking fire. Right. Right? Yeah. It, it led to Nixon's inaugura- uh, not, uh, impeachment yeah. in the case of all the president's men. Right. In Spotlight, we know the we know that the archdiocese of boston was gross yeah. <laughs> super gross yeah and had facts right and when they found those facts they were damning they yeah. were like literally jaw-dropping and the the twist in this movie actually should be interesting right yeah the twist in this movie actually should kind of put you on your feet and be like okay what's going on with this guy now what right. did this guy should do what did bob satterfield actually do right but he fails to do his fucking research and succeeds on his good looks alone. And that's <laughs> and it's literally that fucking fact that yeah. makes us hate this movie so deeply. Yeah. Because it for it foregoes the importance of journalism, the importance of the act that we're watching in this movie, for like aren't white dudes great? Well, and like in just being regular and it being fucking average and being like and doing the least at my job isn't that pretty sweet like what the fuck well it's, it's crazy because like this story this story in and of itself i can see why somebody was attracted to it in terms of adapting it into a movie or right i see TV that too show or i see that too but like to to take that and turn it into this is insane it's blasphemy it's rude it's like that's why i say it's rude because it's like fucking against the whole idea of like integrity and storytelling well one like jerry Murringer like actually did his job like it it would be one thing if it was like oh no he did get duped and like the story came out and he was ruined and like all of this stuff but like he he knew something was up and he found (laughs) that out and then he did more research that's the thing like that's that's what that's the interesting part like that's what i'm saying most journalistic stories are just kind of like specifically a profile piece it's like i'm already coming to this mostly with all the information already like i'm just speaking to you to add additional context to additional context and get clarity yeah right you know but i already have the story like i already know what's going on i know who you are oh my god Um, and so like to do a whole story i mean he, he was with this man for a month basically and like they did form a relationship as you probably would speaking to somebody every day for a month and like again he he was investigated a lot of his feelings of like why why does this man mean so much to me like right. again like they had a strange surrogate relationship where like this man wasn't his father but it's like i i found somebody who just disappeared you know and it's not like finding my father but it kind of is because like that man also just disappeared on me and i was never able to find him so he was like and the article he's writing about like just kind of that obsession with like how do people just disappear and nobody knows nobody yeah. knows what happened yeah. to them where did they go you know especially I mean? like people who somebody found important at one period of time right and you know in the same way he was like yeah like i was talking to this man and you could tell again like he he what he valued most was like being able to just talk to me not me specifically like you know because i'm important but just like because he didn't these are things that he didn't get to say to anybody right you know I mean? right so right right now I'm, <laughs> I'm hearing his whole life story he's telling me all of these things and even though they're confused and mixed up and he's like you know living somebody else's life um you're forming trust with that person right you know and so like there is a very interesting story there just in that relationship between the two of them and then again for you to actually come across an information of like 
oh, maybe this guy, maybe this guy isn't who I think he is in terms of like, maybe he's not a good person, but then like, maybe this guy isn't who I think he is quite literally like he's a different man and like you know as a as like did that, you try you know because <laughs> like, oh that's 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 the uh that's the third act right right you know in a movie it's like you we're, we're we've uncovered the truth yeah now we must reckon with it we're getting all this information we're seeing this relationship form you know what i mean like down on his out down and out reporter like gets a big story that he's starting to build and build and build a week before he releases it you know big this is going to be his big break and somebody's like oh that's all wrong <laughs> what okay what? you know now i have to go and do this whole and other find out what's right me. and it turns into like this i mean this is the stuff that like not a true crime podcast there's not necessarily a crime taking no place but here, like but those like, true tr- true crime miniseries like yeah. like once once the jig is up right once right. the uh the 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 hood has been pulled over you're yeah. like oh well now we have to investigate now we have to know more i mean right i so, don't know if you saw don't fuck with cats but like that's <laughs> literally what happened they thought it was one thing and they did more and more research until they found that guy which right. it, they went that far to like do some policing yeah and find him so that i mean i think that's the thing that's so like i i you know i tried there's not a lot of, you know, talking from the director and, like, other people involved. You know, again, it's it's a lot of the typical movie fluff. Yeah. You know, you're getting a lot of Samuel Jackson and Josh Hartnett talking about, you know, how do you step into these roles and the importance of journalism and yada, yada, yada. But, like, you know, the, the director really made it clear that this was, to him, a story about fathers and sons. And, like, apparently he had something with his father and, like that's what he latched on to from that story but like they're it's not really what the story is about though. yeah again while the article may definitely have strong ties to that and like right. there's a through line with that mm. like the the idea that because again in real i mean that's what's so insane right <laughs> about this like yeah when you hear the real story it's like so we turned a, a very competent and like, you know, like diligent journalist into like a buffoon who like can't be bothered to do his job in the least. We take a, a complex figure, you know, like this man who was impersonating Bob Satterfield, who again, whether or not like he's a good person or whether or not he's somebody that you have sympathy for, like there is a very interesting arc and dynamic to his life and like his story and like just uncovering unraveling the mystery of who he actually is is something that you know could be a whole movie in and of itself we dumb him down we add he's a secondary character yeah we add an unnecessary wife and son dynamic to the movie and then once the jig is up like we say even though in the in real life you know like there was no jig to be up. like the only jig that was up was that he was like, Oh, you're not who you say you are. You know what I mean? I, and now I need to get to the bottom of that. Now I need to figure that out. You know, but that's he, literally what I should do. Yeah. But he was smart enough to know I shouldn't put my name on this news story. that I don't have any, I can't back up in any real discernible way. If somebody were to attack, you know, it's credibility. <laughs> like I would just say, take this man's word for it. Um, <laughs> you know, so like, it's such a weird choice. And then, such a like it's such a it's such a choice well what feels like you're saying what feels so mean-spirited is and then you kill champ you kill champ 
if all of this is made up, why? It, well, it comes out of nowhere, too. <laughs> like, right? Because, like, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a drinker. Uh, he walks around drunk and, like, doesn't really, like... He's just a, a drunk homeless man. I mean, that's what he's reduced to in this yeah. movie. He is a drunk homeless man anytime Samuel Jackson's on screen. Yeah. Right? But to have him just, like, just whittle down to this secondary character whose only, like, real redemption is, like, beating up a finance bro that he beat up, like, two... A, mu- a month and a half earlier. Yeah. And then, like, the heart attack is literally out of nowhere. It is literally, like, he 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 beats up the white boy and he, like, kind of celebrates it and in the same breath he starts coughing and has a heart attack and yeah. then dies and then that's the end of him in this movie yeah it's that's why it seems like such a mean thing yeah um didn't have to happen. that that part didn't yeah. even have to happen a lot of things in this movie did. i mean this movie, movie literally didn't have did. to happen. <laughs> um well i think it's time to play our favorite game and go around and see what all of well, these movies yes. got on uh all the different aggregate review sites. Since we're here in person, uh, I won't look at the screen. Well, I'm I'm just gonna X out on the tab, uh, and we'll both find out together because I also haven't seen this information. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, what do you think Resurrecting the Champ has on IMDb? It's not good. Let's get that <laughs> out of the way. It's not a good movie. Yeah. Even if you like wanted like a decent friday matinee or something like that no. it's not good yeah it's, it's not worth your time it's very boring and then very insulting yes <laughs> so imdb i'm gonna have to go like four solid 4.0 four I, I feel like we always lowball these movies and then we're surprised with how high they are so i'm gonna go six uh, i'm to say it's a six 6.7 what Damn. the fuck that's 21,000 reviews. Perfectly fine movies have 6.7s on IMDb. Yeah. That's the, what I don't like about this. Like, good movies. Well, this review says an amazing experience. Amazing. <laughs> it. Oh, my God. A classic tragic hero. And how uplifting it is. Champ dies. Eat my ass. <laughs> Yo, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, well, Mom, if you're listening. Wow. <laughs> Josh Hartnett here plays a father, a husband, a journalist, and according to Aristotle's definition, a classic tragic hero. You brought Aristotle oh, into this? Jesus no, Christ, just dog. oh my god, take a seat. Yeah, okay. get the. Get well, the, let's let's see. Yeah, I'll exit out of this. What I do you think? What do you think uh, it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I think I saw fifty-seven percent. I think I also saw sixty percent. Let's see, sixty. Fuck, sixty percent, which is 50, sixty audience and tomatoes. So this is crazy, right? That yeah. people think that this is above, not above average. This is average. Yeah. And while it is, it's laughable at times. Yeah. Like it's it's bad. Like it's laughably bad at times. Yeah. And it's also like there's no weight. There's no weight on anything. No. Even when Champ dies, it doesn't feel like a redemption of him. It doesn't feel like a celebration. Yeah. When he beats up a finance bro, he just beats up a random white boy. Like yeah. that's that's not and, and the movie ends on that. Yeah. Like that's what we spent two hours to come back to circle back round to. Let's let's see what your boy Richard Roper wrote, because like he, oh, okay. he didn't like it. He doesn't like anything. Yeah, despite one great performance and an intriguing setup, the work is crippled by another performance that's nowhere near great. Oh, the storyline that makes it impossible to root for the leading man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of people who seemingly like this movie, maybe because of Sam's performance. 
The mm. AV Club even gave it a positive score, which is yeah. just that's just. But they call it a solid effort. Uh, it's not a solid effort though. Yeah. Like a solid effort. If you say a solid effort, a solid effort is literally like a movie that's lit well and like the actors said the words properly and like the, it was edited to where you were told a story for a first act, a second act, and a third act. Yeah. If that's what you mean by a solid effort, then like rave reviews for resurrecting the champ. But mm-hmm. like, there's no way you see this movie and see the character development and feel like whole with that feel redeemed by any of that feel inspired like why would i be inspired by a liar yeah <laughs> liars don't inspire me well this and is, they don't even inspire his own son no his son is just like i gotta go to bed dog I, <laughs> you gotta turn off the I lights man I'm, tomorrow yeah okay. <laughs> be dealing with this shit well so, uh this is this is from tony macklin um from the fayetteville free weekly he says resurrecting the champ is a movie i was going to recommend it was contrived and dopey, but it seemed like a pleasant entertainment. Then came the terrible last 10 minutes where it casts itself on the rancid junk heap of Hokum. Ooh, uh, yes, yes. Come for him. So, yeah. It sounds like he watched the movie. Yeah. Uh, well, last one, of course, we got to go to Amazon.com. Yeah, not looking, even though we know what it is. I don't think I want to give it five stars, but I I, I got to say at least a 4.3. 4, 4. 4.5. I'm going to say 4.5. 4.3 okay I oh you had it right on the nose um i was like i don't think they can go that high but, but it's like it's noticeably bad in that last 15 yeah. minutes it's noticeably bad it's noticeably bad and it's like one of those movies that you if it wasn't for that last 10 minutes you would just forget you saw right you know? like that's, that's <laughs> and that's the worst thing that you could do with a movie is forget you saw it yeah. right you forgot that you even spent the time with it and this movie is like, I can't wait to forget this movie. Yeah. Like, I cannot wait to get it out of my mind. Jim Lewis says, watch this movie with your dad on Father's Day. No, nigga. No. If you want to, I guess, end your relationship if you, with If your you want to question how much your dad's told you the truth in your life. Oh, boy. Well, uh, that was sad. That was Resurrecting <laughs> the Champ, y'all. I'm so sorry. If any of you have seen this movie, I'm so sorry you watched it. Yeah. Well, let's... Uh, Go to the Caucasian ranking scale. We've got three levels. You know them. You know you, you love them. <laughs> First level is uh, shorts of the winter. Hey, you know, it's 70 degrees today here in Baltimore. Yeah, we're doing good. I'm in shorts currently. I am not. I'm wearing corduroy <laughs> long pants because I'm trying to be artsy. Yeah. <laughs> corduroy shorts, maybe not not a thing that you want. You know what I mean? Corduroy pa- shorts are just not a, shouldn't be a thing. I mean, like Russell Westbrook might, but I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm on my Russell Westbrook today a little bit. I'm sorry, apologies. Um, but when it's uh let's say, I don't know, twenty ten underneath that, you yeah. know what I mean? Definitely below freezing. Making the choice to wear shorts, not a good one. Maybe something that Eric Kearney Jr. might do. <laughs> but definitely something Eric Kearney Jr. has done. Um, but this is a level that, you know, this isn't hurting us, but it's just a curiosity. We're wondering why, why, why would you do that? You know what I mean? Like of all the other choices you could have made, including pants, why did you choose to put on shorts and go outside in the snow? Um, Gary, what's the second level? Uh, the second level of caucasity is this movie is touching my hair. So, you know, this movie probably saw that you had a pretty interesting do, something that they've never seen any of their friends attempt. Yeah. And they instantly had to know how it was done. They didn't ask you, though, how it was done. They already have reached across and 
planted fingernails in your hair, all kinds of dirt, whatever kind of grubby crap they've been like going through, all in your hair now, just for the sake of trying to figure you out mm. as the oddity that you are, apparently. Hmm. And and that's the point where it's not necessarily like a whole ass violence, but it is definitely like a a, a a strange choice for you to make and definitely like probably emotionally hurtful. Yeah. Uh, the third level comes from from Cameron, who saw this on. The <laughs> Literally, this is what I was awakened with this morning. Apparently, the, you know, baseball season is in full effect. They're out there swinging those bats and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As you wear an O's cap, how dare you? I mean, you know, O's are actually not. We're not bad this year, uh, but you know, I mean, I'm not. It's very early. <laughs> That's also a hundred percent true. Uh, but but you know, also very early. Apparently, is going to be uh, the season for one Glenn Culper because he was live on television and on NBC. And he is wearing the Peacock logo on his polo right now. Uh, this was apparently As we watch this video. before the game, I guess. And then what what happened here? Cameron? No, it's during the game. Oh, he's we we in the throes of it. Okay. Well, what what does he do then? Glenn and his bearded friend here are just just you know regaling us with tales of their day. They said they had a wonderful day out here in Oakland. They went to the Nigger League Museum and had some barbecue after. Yep. Can we, can we play this clip for the people? Is that possible? We had a phenomenal day today. Nigger League Museum and Arthur Bryant's Barbecue. Oh. He says it clear as day. Oh, yeah. And then has the nerve later in the broadcast yeah. to apologize. Or, or, wait, 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 wait. Apologize with the, if you heard it that way, yeah. I'm sorry you felt that way. <laughs> Apology. If you heard me say nigger. <laughs> so... If you know or see Glenn Culper out in the streets, be sure to give him a smack for me. Yeah. Because this boy thinks he's cool. He thinks it's all good. Uh, I'm sorry you felt that way. Yeah. That's it's, I love that, too. I'm sorry you felt that way. I'm sorry you felt offended. I wasn't. I, wa- okay, I was. It was a Tuesday for me. But. I was going to hang out with some niggas. <laughs> But I guess if you're a nigga and you felt... <laughs> and you, you didn't like that, well, sorry, nigga. <laughs> um, and this is like, I mean, you know... like You know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what you're doing. And like the way... One, I mean, we're watching this on the loop here, but like his, his, uh, his, his co-anchor is like nodding. Nodding. And he says nigga and he's like, ooh, indigestion. <laughs> he literally, yeah, he does the, the pound like it's like, is it indigestion or is it like for my niggas? <laughs> for my niggas. Ooh, wait, what? It's, it's crazy. It's just the, and, and yes, at this point, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You're confident. You're cool. Look at Glenn. He doesn't look like he feels like he's going to lose his job in 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, because it's like that. His job at NBC Sports. <laughs> there's, there's, fucking up and saying something that you didn't mean to say which you know isn't necessarily like a whoops you know like nigga is not something that you <laughs> say by accident <laughs> but uh you know if, if you even if you want to give glenn the benefit of the doubt there the apology tells you everything you need to know because like when you are actually genuinely sorry you don't wait until the sixth inning <laughs> yes, to cut right. in to say you say, oh no, whoa, wait a minute, I, that that's not what I meant. Negro League Museum, I'm so sorry. I'm, you know, and like you apologize in the moment, 
And people can choose to believe or, you know, that nobody has to accept the apology. But the fact that you didn't immediately say, ooh, wait a minute, hold on, you know, and like the fact that his co-anchor is just kind of like, yeah, Glenn says nigga all the time. Glenn's the Tim Allen of (laughs) (laughs) NBC Sports, I guess. Glenn and Tim, they get together on the weekends. Always hanging with niggas. Go out for barbecues and hanging out with niggas. Uh, But... Yeah, out of those three levels, what would you give Resurrecting the Champ? The third level. It's the, it's, it's the nigga level. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. <laughs> First off, this movie sucks ass. Off rip, just sucks ass. It's just a bad movie, right? And then the second you hear Sam talk, it's just crazy to me. Even yeah. though he is... Again, it, it kind of like somehow wears down over the course of the movie and you're like, you're, you you kind of roll with it. Yeah. But it's still very much a wild, wild choice. And then like the whole whitewashing of the story, yeah. which feels whitewashed in the moment, yeah, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the whole thing we were railing on was the fact that like this movie that's ostensibly about the champ, yeah. about this man's life who he discovered, quote yeah. unquote, in the alley, ends up being about himself and uh, as and about how much he got away with lying <laughs> like it's he it, lied up the ladder it's crazy because like when you think about just how little he even seemed to be bothered by you know what i mean like right he it is literally this video personified, like just the unbothered. This guy is like, "Ooh, you know, I got a little bit of indigestion. Yeah. You know, I'm just stroking my beard. We just hanging out, a couple of white boys going to the nigga league museum. Like, what? What? He's he's so Josh Hartnett throughout the movie is so like singularly concerned with his career and like yes. whether or not like it clearly feels entitled to a career in journalism and not just a career, but like being a respected sports journalist. When they brought up that Pulitzer around him, he was like, I don't see nothing wrong. Yeah. I'm gonna get that. Uh, That's mine. You know? And it's just like, (laughs) excuse me (laughs) in every turn. And it's like, that's the thing, right? As a journalist, it's, it can be difficult, right? I mean, it's, I don't want to compare journalism to social work in any real way, but it is like when you are, in with somebody as deep as you often are in a lot of these instances and you're talking to people and you're getting their stories and you're you know hearing from them day in day out and specifically if it's like something i mean you see um i forget dude's name uh but it's one of the only black people that are on fox news and I think it was a movie uh, like that's not Jason Whitlock. The, no, I mean he, no, no, no. he belongs there. He's, he's like doing a sports. He's like a beat reporter. He's like uh, he does like coverage for them. I guess is what I understood. Oh. But like, oh, I know what you're talking about. He's that dude that looks sort of like Pert Happily from Parson <laughs> Rack. And he's always out like doing like they're on this like they're field reporting. Yeah, uh, nigger in the field, right? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But even he, like, I guess at one of the latest mass shootings was just like, I'm sick of this shit. Like, I I have to come out here after this every single time and talk to people who have lost loved ones and it's like senseless violence. And like, you know, you can't help but be affected by the people that you cover because like they're real human beings. They're real people. Giving you real emotion and you have to like, it's your job to not just talk to them, but to like 
give their side of the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, oftentimes, specifically when you're getting into vulnerable spaces like this, like, people are telling you things in confidence. People right. are really, like, laying themselves out on the line. Opening the, themselves up. In the hopes that you will accurately portray their story, right? Josh Hartnett doesn't seem to give a fuck whether or not Champ like right right once the story's over he is literally like i'm out i mean even in the moment it's like i'm giving you five dollars because i need you to be alive because i need to talk to you tomorrow (laughs) now go eat something and save your strength yeah chat tomorrow um you know because they try to portray it as like a friendship but like it's like how quickly he turns on him you know i'm glad that sam didn't portray it like this nigga's trying to be my friend like he was instead like all right nigga like give me a beer and i'll I'll chat with you 20 minutes how quickly he turns on him in that moment where he just blames everything on sam jackson wow it's crazy and then it's like i want him arrested and locked up like you know what i mean like i got smacked (laughs) (laughs) that's why i got smacked like without a moment like five minutes ago your kid was talking to this man like you were like I, you know, I, I care so much about him. The second that he's not who you think he is, you're like, fuck that nigga. Fuck you. <laughs> I want you in jail. And, like, rightly got a right hook. To the face. <laughs> I mean, the, just even that. The audacity. I know Sam Come Jackson on. in the movie is supposed to be elderly and living on the street and all that stuff. Even if Yo isn't the boxer you thought he was. My guy still is a boxer. And your thought that I'm going to punch him in the face. And and that's going to be my... That'll be cool. And that he won't do anything to me. You know what I mean? That's insane. That's insane. Very much. I mean, if, if I saw that Mike Tyson was homeless and living on the street... I wouldn't fuck with him because he's still Mike Tyson. He can still do that. <laughs> he would still hurt me. <laughs> Mike, just watching Mike Tyson at fifty is scary. That you know what I mean. When he's training and he's just like, he's faster than my eye still. Yes, that's crazy. So you know that 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 is like everything about this movie. And again, especially I, I encourage people to read the actual story. Yeah, sounds it's, interesting. It's good journalism. It's a good. I mean, you again, you can see why people wanted to adapt it. You can see why. Um, you know, because it's written in a very visual way. Like, you can see everything. You can feel a lot of the moments. Right. Um, and it, it seems to be coming from an actual genuine place of somebody yeah. who, like, made this connection with somebody and, like, <clears throat> went down this whole road of, like, struggling with, you know, identity and, uh, you know, trying to figure out, like, how do I actually, you know, rectify all of these things that I've learned with the person that... I thought I knew, right? So like, <laughs> it's like, wow, that's that's an interesting story, right? Mm-hmm. This is by by not only removing all of the interesting parts oh from from the actual you know article, but then replacing them with just like the weakest, you know what I mean? Like just blandest, yeah. like and and again the audacity and caucasity for that last ten minutes where he's just like. Everything's coming up, Kernan. You know what we I mean? Good. Like, we good. We good out here. You know, I don't have to pay a single consequence. Like it would be like one out of three, right? 
He gets bare to, minimum. He gets to still be a journalist. Okay, I mean that's crazy. He lied. Yeah, he, lied. he should he be did barred from his job, but that's cool, you know. You know, but maybe he's maybe he went from working at the Denver Times to like the Wahican, you know what yeah. you know I mean? Like he's in a small town, the you know. outside of Denver <laughs> Tribune, you know, or yeah, middle of nowhere, you know, Tennessee Times, you know, and it's like yeah. all right, you know, he still gets to live his dream of being a journalist, just not. On that level. Or, Definitely not. You know, his journalism career is over. He was writing for the Specialty Magazine of the right. Denver Times, by the way. Right. That article came out in the Specialty right. Magazine, this full color print. Right. If it was like, oh, okay, my journalism career is over, but like, I I managed to rectify things with my wife and my kid, and like, you know, I lost everything, but I got my family back. I would okay. actually be down with that, you know, that ending too, maybe. Or if, if he like just did the right thing and like, if he did the right thing by uh, the champ and just, like, you know, put him up somewhere or something like that. Or just, right. like, gave him, like, a leg up on, like, you know, here's a job. Here's, yeah. here's something, you know. Instead of just, like, walking away very no, quickly. Never saw that man. I You know, sorry to that man, right? Sorry like, to that man. <laughs> oh, he died? Sorry to that man. In the same alley I found him in? Well, sorry to that Whoops. Man. You know. Whoops. Like, just gross. Just um, fuck. Fuck this (laughs) movie. Fuck this movie. um, Yeah, fuck this movie. That's the end of (laughs) Resurrecting the Champ. Uh, um, (laughs) Well, as we get out of here, um, Cameron, tell everybody where they can find you, what you got going on, anything you want to recommend, etc. Sure, sure. You can find me still on Twitter as long as Elon Musk is keeping the lights on over there. Uh, And IG at TheBlipster1138. Um, just cooking right now. Really, just cooking, mm-hmm. waiting for a thing to come out. Mm-hmm. And since the Writers Guild strike yeah. is happening, I I don't know if that thing's coming out right now. So shout uh, out to the writers, though. But shout out to the writers, and I want to recommend anything written by a WGA writer. Hey. That's 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 my main thing. Uh, support the writers. That's my recommendation for sure. Um, and I'm Jordan Clark. You can find me at JR Sosa. 18 jrsosa18 on twitter and instagram um i'm gonna look this up because i saw oh you saw it i saw polite society i i'm i got a free screening uh in like two days go see it it's great um i want to get everybody's name down uh because yeah polite if people don't know polite society it's a movie that came out recently it's a british comedy with an all south asian cast um that's about um i mean it's 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 fun because it is taking like a lot of these like high concept like wacky things that white people mostly get to do and like inserting you know Mm -hmm. like a south asian family and like specifically you know south asian in in britain and the uk Mm -hmm. um and like there's a younger sister who wants to be you know this this big stunt actress and like that's her goal and like the older sister is kind of you know an art school dropout um so they're kind of already like atypical you know characters in one of these movies but the older sister gets you know kind of picked up by this young doctor who's looking for a wife uh and like it's not an arranged marriage but it's kind of like the parents are very much so like both of you should do this is good (laughs) for both of us and it turns out that things are not as they seem i'll leave it at that okay um because i think there's a lot of fun things to discover but like it is it's funny it looks it looks great. Uh, it looks really well shot. Yeah. It look, acts, looks like the actors are having fun. Yeah. Um, let me just, let me get some names for you here. So it's, it's written and directed uh, by Anita Menzor, 
Um, and now I'm just like, I got to see more of your movies. Cause yeah. this, if, I mean, if this is the first one, that's great. But if there's more, I, I definitely need to look into that. Uh, and Priya Kinsar and Rita Arya are, are great as the two leads. Um, so I would definitely recommend Polite Society. Hopefully it's playing everywhere. I know it's playing at the Charles, but yeah, it um, just came out too. Yeah, yeah. It's only been out for like a week or two. So, um, so Go do it. Yeah. Shout out to them. Only other note is that the, the milestone, um, talent showcase they switched the date slightly by a week, so instead of May 30th, it's coming out June 6th. June 6th. Uh, but still, be on the lookout for that. 6-6, six, six, y'all. <laughs> Do it. Get yourself one of those uh, wherever you buy your comics. And yeah, look out for us. We're trying to do some more fun stuff again. We're, we're, we're trying to get it popping, yeah. We, yeah. We got uh, some Twitch things. Yeah. Because we're not in the same place, and we're trying to... <laughs> do like a watch along maybe we'll figure yeah. out the tech on that but i think the watch along is coming pretty soon we want to do a watch along we want to do maybe a review of gasms maybe like a live reaction review. tell me that. this dylan friend of the pod you got to come back and explain to us i know you didn't write the review but yeah gasms got over a five which is a pro- it's got a seven Point two. Got That's a good five. record as far. It's a very good record as far as Pitchfork is concerned. Kazu's got over a five, and there's an interview I saw recently with. <laughs> you know, the album is titled Gasms, and I think a lot of people took it, you know, in a certain way because you know people think of gasms, and you know, I, their mind goes to orgasms, and it's kind of you know a controversial thing, and like. You know, I, you know, I meant it that way a little bit, but people don't realize there's all kinds of gasms. When you look up gasms in the dictionary, that's where my mind just no. turned off. It is clear Barry Gordy is not his boss anymore. <laughs> is, this nigga's just like vibes. You can have all kinds of gasms. And I was like, nigga, what? <laughs> is somebody giving you edibles? We need to know why gasms has a fucking 7-2. Yeah, so we, we might have to do a live. A live gasms listen? Yeah, because I need to know what. I mean. I'll fuck th- with that. Do I fit in there? Right. <laughs> what? What? That's other, the name of a song. What other kind of gasms are you talking about, Bro, Smokey? <laughs> don't lie to me, okay? Because I'm smart. My parents are from your generation, bro. Just, just lean into like full time. Just be a freak. Just be a freak. Yeah, just dog, tell me if you're a freak or no, not. Find me at Essence Fest. You know what I mean? I'm here. Like, let's get a pie. We see you on to get stage. The, I seen you. <laughs> Hump the air, bro. <laughs> you, one. I mean, like to, to call it, uh, you know, like a hip gyration is like you're not even selling Under, that. Yeah, not a, yeah, like, yeah. That's a full thrust. That's a thrust. <laughs> he wearing silk suits. With niggas the, in silk the, suits. With a button open on top. <laughs> niggas in silk suits are to be. Are that's a red flag. He's he's a red flag. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're, we're trying to get a lot of fun stuff going on. So again, tell us, you know, if you're, if you're interested in anything, hit us up on Twitter at white underscore pod, uh, hit us up at white people won't save you pod at gmail.com. Um, hundredth episode coming up soon. So if there's a movie you want us to watch or somebody you want us to try to get on, let us know. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week with more Caucasity. Peace. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. 
We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.